I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Going to go make some tea, but in a good way. Bionic. What does that have anything to do with our topic this week? I'll tell them what it is. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I might go throw that tea into the harbor. How about that? Oh, uh, We've got a great guest this week, and he is foreshadowing. Uh, actually, it's current shadowing because we're getting ready to introduce our guest this week, Mr. Dale Robertson, who is the founder, and yes, I say founder, of the Tea Party Movement and the current president of TeaParty.org. In other words, he's where the buck stops and where it all originates from the Tea Party Movement that we hear so much about in the news. And uh, he has been willing to come on our humble show uh, to talk about understanding the goals, motives, and plans of the Tea Party Movement. And um, this is yet another coup for us mm-hmm. to have a gentleman who is this front and center in the news to come on the Future Quake show. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. He's like we're media giants or something. Yeah, we're kingmakers. We, mm-hmm. we, they they have to pass through here on their way to greatness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Anointing, christening, whatever yeah, you want to call but it. Nobody slips us any uh, dough yeah, in exchange no. for that. This is pretty much a doughless show. Yeah, I think it's like some kind of thing that they have to pass through. It's yeah. like a... Hazing ceremony to come to the future. <laughs> That's quake. what it's like. But uh, the Mr. paddles and everything. Mr. Robertson, I think you're going to really enjoy him. It's going to take interesting turns in this discussion. Um, a gentleman who was really just doing things, thinking on his own, mm-hmm. very different from circles here at Future Quake. Mm-hmm. But it makes for an interesting dialogue between the two parties. Excuse the pun. Uh, mm-hmm. On uh, sort of where he's come at, where he's thinking, and where we are. And where we can find some commonality. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, on the whole, I, I really enjoyed this interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He said some things that I found uh, uh, surprising, some things that I didn't think right. he would say. And something you don't hear about in other media, which is the whole reason why we have Future Quake. Yeah. And uh, these are things that you're going to hear right now because this is our first installment with Dale Robertson, the founder of the Tea Party Movement. And then we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, excited about this next interview, and going to go make some tea, Bionic. Uh-oh. Feel a little under weather today, right? Just a little bit. Well, we've got something exciting that's going to pep you up a lot. Today, uh, we have a very, very special, prestigious guest this week. We have Dale Robertson, who is the founder of the Tea Party Movement, the modern Tea Party Movement, and president of TeaParty.org. It's where the where the buck really stops on the whole Tea Party Movement. And we're going to talk about understanding the goals, motives, and plans of the Tea Party Movement. And Mr. Robertson, I want to welcome you to the Future Quake Radio Show. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. So, and I look forward to, to being on you guys in the future, if possible. So. Yeah, you'll have a standing invitation here. And I tell you, you've already... Uh, gone through the hazing ceremony already because uh, <laughs> whether it's uh, Andrew Napolitano or Joseph Farah, whoever's come through the, the quake here. Yeah, it only happens when the interview is important. We have, yeah, we, uh, we, we sort of have a small staff here, and uh, when we have our technical problems, those things happen occasionally. I appreciate your patience with us on that. I think we're off to the races here. 
Um, I, I really appreciate you coming and making time for, for our listeners and your very busy schedule. Uh, so we're, we're going to try to stay focused here on, on good, hard information for our listeners. But to begin our discussions today, could you please briefly share with us just a little bit about your background and how you came to initiate the Tea Party movement? Well, um, you know, I've been um, wrestling with this for many years, um, and especially in college. I mean, I went to a very liberal school, and, you know, as a Christian, you're kind of uh, against uh, many different ideologies. And what realized, I realized at that time is that politicians were using hatred to promote themselves. Mm-hmm. And in college, I, I, I really thought about changing the system altogether. I, I basically a direct uh, approach this from you know, the direction of business, really, from that point, because I kind of really really thought that business was more responsive than government. Uh, but uh, in the 2008 election cycle, it proved to me that the government was making it impossible for business to respond. Um, and so basically, you know, elected officials are in bed with big business, and they were using division mm-hmm. as a mechanism to basically feed the fire of hatred and supporting big business. And, um, and you know, I kind of looked at the Bush hatred, um was promoted and fueled the idea of, uh, of putting something as I call left wing or Marxist in the office, um, which you know we know Obama has been surrounding himself with, you know people very left wing. Um, you know I guess last year they didn't even have a day of prayer because I guess they didn't think it was important. Uh, but they you know left wing use racism and hatred and anything like even the military like the war to get out you know to to outgun the right side even the politically right. And you know, as a you know, the right also has their weapons. I mean, I'm a Christian, and sometimes they'll use Christianity and pro-life and Reaganomics, um, and they'll even oftentimes use reducing taxes. But I realize that both parties are benefiting from the same machine, you know, which right. is big business. And then when Bush finally signed the, the bailout, that really unveiled me the truth that it wasn't about you know choice A or choice B, but the lesser of two evils was about keeping the liars in office and. Uh, to me, the choices were wrong. I mean, because people right. were left out of the system of government, and basically, I, I protested Obama, Obama's nomination in late October. The protests expanded to both political parties, and um, I couldn't do anything in November because I had knee surgery. And, and in December, after I got out of the hospital, I went back to <laughs> to just continue on the Tea Party movement. I hadn't stopped ever since. So okay, all right. Well, that was we, 2008, so. we we can relate to much of what you said. In fact, uh, Chuck Baldwin, who was the candidate for the Constitution Party, has become a good friend of our show, uh, and and we've often talked about the the inherent corruption in the two political parties and people who held out a little bit of hope that some, there was something to be salvaged there. Uh, the whole banker bailout deal and the fact that both parties and their candidates came back with their both political machines to push that through. Uh, their, their, uh, you know, the rank and file there in Congress was pretty much the last nail in the coffin for a lot of people. Uh, you know, we hear a lot in the news about the Tea Party movement. Obviously, it's, it's sort of crossed the Rubicon now where it's a major topic of discussion on regular news. You, you, you have no problem getting, uh, press, in other words, is what I'm saying, which, which is good. But, you know, I've never really heard a concise definition of what it comprises and the scope of its issues and goals. Can you explain that to us uh, right from the horse's mouth, from the person who started it? Well, the Tea Party, to me, is really the living embodiment of the Constitution. I mean, you, you think about the Constitution, it was derived from the Tea Party, and therefore it resulted in the Constitution. So it's just an embodiment of the Constitution, living embodiment of that, and the purpose is to put aside partisan politics and drive the parties away from special interests, but, but that of the interests of the public. You know, we seek constantly conservative candidates have common sense, 
to know they're supposed to represent the public, not you know business or special interests. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so uh, did, did I understand you correct then that the, that the key is is that candidates who are really looking out for the well-being for all of the public rather than certain key interests that may provide the funding uh, to get them into their particular office? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of look through every political party. You know, I, I mean, I just didn't just say, hey, I'm going to start the Tea Party. I mean, right. I looked at every political party and realized that every one was being controlled by special interests. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the interest of the majority was completely negated. And so the idea was to create this movement. And, you know, it's like marketing uh, in college and, and also in, in after college. And, um, you know, I, I looked at how Home Depot got in the business of hardware. And it's called marketing. It's called top-of-the-mind advertising. Mm-hmm. And so I just took that and applied it to this movement. It's this little tea party rings mm-hmm. with every American. Mm-hmm. And, and so basically, most people don't think that they need to be started. But I tell you, before I started, there was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing in, in existence. Well, you literally stood alone, right? I mean, your first oh, protest, what, you were literally alone in a, in a field protesting. Oh, absolutely. I was out there protesting. And then when the stimulus bill was being ran through, just like the bailout was, that um, you know, you know, as a Christian, I says God says it's location, location, location. You got to go to D.C. And mm-hmm. I was there in the dead of winter, freezing, and people there, the police officer thought I was crazy. Uh, but you know, somebody had to stand for our freedoms, and you know, it wasn't we couldn't just sit around anymore and just watch these people ram one bill after the next, which uh, you know, the cost now is over forty thousand dollars per every man, woman, and child. And uh, that's a big toll that you're asking us to put on mm-hmm. uh, our future generations. And, you know, I had to make a stand, and, and I did. And it was, I've been mocked, you know, mm-hmm. by, by both sides. And I really don't care because it's not about me. It's about our nation. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I found, uh, you, you know, other people on the outside start mocking you when things start getting traction. But up to that point, because we always encourage people in our audience to, to stand up and take action, is that you'll first get criticism from the people closest to you. Uh, people around you. Now, you may have some, you know, some faithful family members and things that believe in what you're doing. But by and large, a lot of people look at you and think you're crazy. Uh, and they won't understand it. Uh, maybe later you'll, you'll, you know, gain respect. I don't know what your experience was, but uh, I've seen that many times. That uh, well, I think Jesus provided the perfect example. You know, he's denied by those who are closest to him. Right. You know, and so you know that's kind of the, the model I look at. Is like, you know, my family thought I've been crazy. They probably still think I'm crazy. But, yeah. Uh, you <laughs> hey, know, join the, the club here. You're welcome yeah. on Future Quake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you some kindred spirits here. Well, great. So, well, um. What has been the tangible impact of the movement to date, and what do you think it will be in the near future? Well, we're basically affecting change and and getting people elected, really, to be honest. I mean, you look at every election recently, Virginia, New Jersey, uh, uh, Massachusetts, um, even Doug Hoffman in New York 23, I would argue that he won. But uh, the movement basically has the ability to, to affect the outcome of elections. And so you're talking from one guy uh, protesting, and even to you know almost I've been protesting almost a year by the time I went to Washington, and to go there and to see two million people they're standing there together uh, and wanting to take back our nation that's, that's that says it all really. Um, you know, you know some people estimate there's about 20 million Tea Partiers. I really kind of estimate about 12 million. Mm-hmm. That's pretty significant to affect the change. 
you know, uh, it, just like Scott Brown, he's, he's lagging behind by 20 points, and I call all the coalition leaders, and, and they put the word out to their troops, and next thing you know, he's, he won by five, at least five points. So our, our goal is basically to, check, uh, to affect change not in just one, in onesie-twosies, but in every level of government. Do, uh, so, so do you think the Tea Partiers had a major role in getting Scott Brown elected? I do, but you know, you have to realize I'm, my perspective on that, that Scott Brown's not the most conservative candidate out there, but the issue is health care. And so I look at things as a military officer that, uh, you know, you have to have some tactical approaches and, and some, you know, overall, you know, strategic approaches. And, you know, stopping health care was a key there. Um, I don't think he really represents my values as a, you know, a Christian conservative. But he represents the value of physically conservative, where the government just wants to ram up one bill through to the next. And I don't think the the options other than Scott Brown would have been very palatable for the American people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what do you think was the turning point when things took a life of their own and momentum started to feed? I mean, how long ago was it, by the way, that you made that stand by yourself out there? Well, um, early February I was there, and I came basically. Well, I said either you're gonna stay with me, or you're gonna come home, uh, or me, you're gonna come home, or you're gonna you find that you're alone. And um, and so just after Rick Santelli made his thing, um, I came back home to Texas, realizing I had to get the website up, okay. and and to develop all the tools which I could pass out. Uh, but while I was in Washington, I stirred enough uh, interest that the Republicans quickly threw a lot of money into this. And so they basically assumed by, you know, if they build it, we will come, uh, that they would control the Tea Party movement. And mm-hmm. it's just the opposite of that has happened. Uh, most people have been disenfranchised by the Republicans' um, attempt to take over the movement. Huh. Um, and so it's fractured it for the most part. And um, our goal is basically to build a coalition of groups, uh, not to have one organization or political party trying to to affect the outcome of elections, but all of us Americans standing up and having our voice count. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, all this happened when you have over 10 million-plus supporters, 12 million-plus, since February. I mean, we're literally talking, you know, within a year, you've built this level of support, uh, and you acknowledge that there's a political party that thought there was an advantage to jumping on board and taking control of this and riding the coattails, maybe repair their reputation with conservatives. And right. you acknowledge that they saw that, which I think is a lesson for all of us who are involved in grassroots movement when they gain control, is that people will not take an interest until they see it's really going to have staying power, and then suddenly you see people try to muscle in. And uh, so you're saying they tried to sort of throw money at it and things like that. How have people been able to distance themselves around that movement, because that can be sort of overwhelming. How has it worked out where people have distinguished themselves from those people? Well, the, first of all, they, you know, they, they're grassroots. I mean, that's really comes down to, um, I look at the, this is my perspective on political parties or everything. They're supposed to be servant leaders, not usurper leaders. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I think these people have realized that these people are in charge and they don't want any inputs from anybody else. And, and they're basically chastised when they have a, a differing opinion. Mm. And so, therefore, you know, they realize real quickly that these people are not representing them. And so they break off and start their own, you know, grassroots approach. And the problem is that sometimes they don't, you know, without a plan, plan to fail, um, that they're actually put at a disadvantage because these other groups are well-funded. 
you know, they've got plenty of political action committees that are funding them. Right. And and then the individual who's trying to do their own thing, they're paying a lot of money out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And so, right. you know, and I, I what I try to do is launch these Liberty concerts recently um, to say, look, you know, we have to create an economic engine. Because it's one thing, you know, uh, I hate having people beg all the time for donations, you know. Right. And, sure. Right, because, I mean, people are always, hey, donate, donate, donate. And, well, the problem is that, you know, people are, are hurting financially, mm-hmm. you know. And so the idea is, like, you know, let's just have a concert, and the concert should incorporate, you know, some different aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it is letting the political, you know, candidates have an opportunity to see the public because when you see somebody, it changes your perspective other than just hearing about them over the Internet. You know, you may hear about them, you may read about them, but when you touch their hands, shake them, look in the eye, you know, you develop that relationship with a person. That and it's important right. for the candidate and the, and the people that are going to vote for them. Well, so, I know everything about Tea Party people because I've seen MSNBC, uh, and <laughs> they have gone overboard <laughs> describing what Tea Party people look like. Right. Uh, and you, I'm sure you've heard the demographic of how they explain, uh, right. and and people of certain persuasions. And in fact, I, w- I was very uh, distressed to hear groups like uh, organized labor and things like this that have been so vocally opposed. Uh, to grassroots movements like this because I thought, you know, u- union movements were supposed to be theoretically groups of the people and the common man and they should embrace this kind of thing. And it's been sort of the exact opposite, unfortunately, at least in my perspective, uh, in what's going on. What, what do you think the impact will be in the near future? What is going to be the next shot heard around the world from the Tea Party movement? Well, I, I think if we can get these, um, you know, this, uh, this uh, movement, this Liberty Concerts, where we actually get the the spectators, you know, involved and says, look, you're, we're no longer going to be spectators, but we're going to form an army. And and I've talked to a lot of political leaders and said, look, you know, we want to be involved in the process. You know, my nephew basically says, if you want to change politics, you got to be involved in politics. And so my my the words I'm echoing to these political organizations. I mean, I've talked to the Constitution Party, Republican Party. Uh, you know, American Independent Party, I mean, a number of these political parties, and they even try to reach through the Democratic Party, says, look, unless you tell us what you need in order to provide us constantly conservative candidates, then you're going to lose. You know, and my, mm-hmm. the voice I echo to the people is like, let's not put all our eggs in one basket. If Republican needs, let's just say they get a thousand seats for precinct chairs, and they only need a hundred more to fill all their, you know, seats. Uh, our chances are very small, less than 1%, that you're going to get a constantly conservative candidate. You're going to get a crony that has bowed to the machine, the, the big mm-hmm. business. Uh, the Democratic Party, you may even have a smaller chance than that. You know, uh, So I usually say you may have a 10% chance with the Democrats, a 30 to 40% chance with Republicans, and maybe a 90% chance with the uh, Constitution Party, and definitely 100% as an independent you know, candidate running mm-hmm. for office. Because they are going to be who they are. I mean, there's, they don't have any filters between you and them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea is to get these, these masses of people that are going there and say, look, you have to be involved in the process. You have to come to these parties and say, look, we are going to change your party to represent constantly conservative candidates. Are you willing to let me be a part of that? And, and that's how we're going to change it. But uh, I don't think that we should oust them. I mean, I think that we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they exist today because people are inherently lazy. Uh, but I think that the Tea Party becomes a an organization, kind of like a watchdog organization, that uh, and, or an inspector general is another term to, mm-hmm. to say that. 
that we can hold these political parties accountable. But they're really scaring me in the sense that I've been very, very pleasant with them and trying to work with them, that they just don't listen, you know. And, yeah. You know, and they so like, you know, everybody's asked me whether the Tea Party should become a political party, and I have to say I don't know the answer to that yet, mm-hmm. because because of the the cold shelter that I've gotten, especially from direct leadership of the RNC, mm-hmm. that they've never returned my calls, and I was like, you know, um, maybe we just should just start a, a political party. You know, with the Tea Parties, and quit donating to the, to the Democrats or Republicans because that'll hurt them immediately. Mm-hmm. And then they'll don- donate it out. If you want to donate to TeaParty.org, that's that's fine. I, mean, I could use you know the help because right. uh, I'm fighting a big fight. But my goal is not to keep the money. My goal is to give it back to the coalition. Right. You know, so let the coalition determine where this money to be used, uh, and then we can dire- redirect that money back. And part of it is like health savings account, which is doing a health care co-op. Uh, with the public and through the Tea Party movement, mm-hmm. that we use free market forces to drive the cost of health care down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a viable, real viable solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but government doesn't want you to hear that because then they can't skim, you know, off the top. Right. You know, and they skim more than just off the, off the top. They probably skim a significant portion of that. And I call it money laundry, where they launder the money through mm-hmm. uh, the corporations and they feed it back through their campaign funds, mm-hmm. through donations. And it's a scary process that we put our faith in these people. I mean, they've been in power for over 100 years, and they've done nothing but cause our society to erode. Mm-hmm. Well, mean, a lot, of, a lot yeah. of these groups, they have talking heads on, the, you know, I'll watch uh, news, uh, you know, cable news networks, you know, during the day. And uh, this constant stream of gas from the think tanks, they come on, give their idea. And the question I finally have started asking now is, who are paying these people? Who are writing the checks? And if you look right. at them, it's mostly well-to-do people who are writing these checks, floating these people to come brainwash all of us to to co-opt a certain way. And a lot of those well-paid people working for parties, you know, like the RNC, uh, get paid a lot of money to have all the answers. And you come in with something that resonates with people, that's a threat to them. Uh, it may put them out of work. So they're going to really, it's their it's their sandbox there, and they're going to offer resistance to it. We last week we had the guys from Go on. Uh, who have a very novel way to be able to, I don't know if you've you've met them or you're familiar with yeah, them. Yeah, I, I know Tim Cox. I, I, yeah. I actually was a part of his group uh, for a, a few years, and hmm. then I started the Tea Party because I just, um, I thought the process was a little slow, but, you know, Tim's a good right. guy. Right. Uh, and, you know, I've always kept an open mind. So it's like, uh, Tim, uh, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to produce a, you know, top-notch candidate or not. I mean, right. uh, group thinks always is a slow process, and usually right. you have to, have to have mediocrity in order to pass that uh, litmus right. test, uh, but you know I'd say I'm willing to be keep an open right. mind and and I think Tim's uh, is a good guy. I think that right. he has um, you know the right intentions as far as his heart, but uh, the proof will be in the pudding. So, right. but it doesn't mean we can't have a hybrid approach. Right. That sure. Two 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 methods. Yeah. That uh, the ones that the political parties use and that Tim's his idea. Yeah, so. Right. Well, one of the conclusions that we that we had come to in the in the show with him last week, uh, and and we sort of slowly come to that over the years on Future Quake, is that there's so much innate corruption in both existing parties, and there've been so many attempts to try to reform them, that uh, I think people are deciding it's a lost cause, and people have to start from a clean sheet of paper, and uh, I think I think we're pretty much at that point right now. Um, We've been at that point for a long for, time. For a long time. <laughs> We've been there for a long time. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> uh, why is it critical that average Americans become more activist in their lifestyle and how they spend their time? I'm assuming you would agree with that. 
Well, I do because I think that for the large part, being disenfranchised is what's got us in, in, involved in this situation. Uh, we cannot just be spectators and expect change will happen, um, even if we even if we gather, you know, as far as like Tea Party. It's only when the true patriots are in office that these tyrants begin to fear us, you know. Uh, we gather, and, they be, and, and, and once we become an army of patriots and taking back every vehicle that puts people in office, uh, that's the only way we're going to restore our nation. And uh, and they know that. I mean, the political parties know that as well. And they right now they they seem very comfortable thinking their their seats of power are not threatened. But uh, when we start putting people in office, then they start wondering, and they st- that's why they're afraid right now. That's why they they held back on the health care mm-hmm. issue, is because we actually put people in office. And this is wow! You could take the most bluest state and put a, a Republican in there. And again, uh, he's not the most conservative candidate I would like, but um, it's definitely made them think twice. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think the, the the next step they would do they've they've tried the co-opt approach. The next one will be some kind of uh, dirty tricks. So you got yeah. everybody's got to watch each you other's might, back. You might wind up floating, you know. In well, a hopefully river not. Somewhere. Hopefully not that bad, but at least. Uh, they can they can do some very interesting things when people lead uh, populist groups. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom taking over Bionic. Taking over. Yeah. Like the show. Like amount of way out. Massive amounts of money. Here it comes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know that's one thing that's been a common theme in your life, and that excess amount of money and just trying to find somewhere to put it. It was up until about four years ago. Really? Yeah. Really. Yeah. And things changed. Mm-hmm. At least you can't blame me for that, because no. I didn't come to shortly thereafter. No, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, back back to Dale Robertson. Um, what struck you from the first segment of our discussion? Well, there were him? many things. Uh, I have a, I actually feel like, um, on the whole, uh, Mr. Robertson is, of course, a very honest, honest genuine guy. Well, right. One of the interesting right. things is he was very upfront about being asked about, uh, you know, typically the the Tea Party is portrayed as, this like Republican front, you know, astroturf right. organization, mm-hmm. and At when it's certain press things, yeah, that's yeah. that's very much the thing that they say in certain press uh, mm-hmm. circles. And he's he acknowledges that they did try to take it over, but they were not successful, yeah. uh, in his opinion, because they threw a bunch of money at it, and everybody realized it was a money from you know it was like thirty pieces of silver, and they said no way. Mm-hmm. So that's right, and uh, he said that up front and early, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that confirms suspicions of some people. And one of the neat things about having him on is he's at ground zero. Yeah, he was he's been there where all this stuff's been going. Yeah, on. in his own words, he was he was standing out in a field with a sign in the snow. Uh, right. Just himself. Right. You know. So you know a continuous theme of many guests on Future Quake. They make similar. <laughs> they never like come that. back. <laughs> no, but you know the standing alone. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. And I hope we can inspire people when they hear the stories of these people that each of our listeners need to have something where they're willing to stand alone on. Well, I'll tell you something what, man, we got, can this, we got this out here at the Future Quake compound. we got the 40 acres there. Why don't we, mar- mar- you know, do our own little protest? Yeah, we just need to have something to protest. There's not enough to protest out there. You're right. Yeah, no. But, uh, Mr. Robertson, uh, it's interesting. The fact that, uh, the, the, fact that uh, the Republicans... We're doing this to him is what soured him to him. Mm-hmm. But we talk about that some more tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Merv, come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information.
email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Let's get out of here. Thanks for reminding me. Come back for the next segment tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, partial to the uh, uh, the, the lapdog and the tea party, Bionic. Uh, reference to Pyro, mm-hmm. our other staff member here relax, who's in the relax, studio. Relax, buddy. Relax. Who, uh, often he's, he's getting a little riled up here. Sitting with us here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is our second installment of our uh, interview with Dale Robertson, who was the founder of the Tea Party movement? Yes, the founder, mm-hmm. the originator, the central person in this whole movement across the country, and the president of TeaParty.org. And uh, we are talking today about the understanding the goals, motives, and plans of the Tea Party movement, which is a main major movement. Big news. Mm-hmm. Um, what's amazing is this all has come together since February. I mean, it's now has yeah, millions. Weird, millions, it? he said. There's anywhere from from 12 to 20 million people. Yeah. The 12, and that's what started with one guy in less than a year. I know. That's weird, isn't it? It is. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing what one person can do, and that's true for all of our Futurians out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I mentioned cryptically at the end of the last show was just bringing up again the fact that he mentioned about the Republicans had tried to buy him off, and he's been a loyal Republican, very conservative. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it sounded like that was part of him souring to them. Mm-hmm. That also in them voting for all the bailout stuff. Mm-hmm. But that they tried to sort of buy him out, you know, to take over stuff. And I think he decided, hey, that's it for the parties. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing you're you're going to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that caught well, your mind? Well, I, I sure find it interesting that he's willing to support... You know, he was talking about these music events where they'd have music and then they would have candidates from all different parties come out. Yeah, he's going to talk some more about that later. Democrat yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, later in the interview, he's yeah. talking about it. Yeah, yeah. well, and that's that's his way of trying to garner support. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be some big surprises in this next segment, some things for us to talk about when we come back. So here is the second installment with Dale Robertson, founder of the Tea Party Movement, and we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. One one of the things that we say regarding this topic, and we say it numerous times, because we have one hero at and heroine after the next on our show, who who are not really making money in what they're doing. It may be a Christian ministry, it may be something politically, but but they're committed and they've donated a large portion of their time for what they believe in, and really fought against the system. And I think you're probably one of the most most successful of people of that vein, uh, of, of the kind of guests we've had. And we've tried to use this as an example to tell people that they need to set down the remote control, get away from the DVDs, uh, from the terrible cable television that's on, and actually donate a set part of their time to doing these kind of things. Grab a sign, go stand in front of something where you see an injustice or something is wrong, go get your neighbors, and take your kids 
and let your kids see you do it so they can respect you and see that you stand up for something that's more important than just your immediate needs in your family and whatever your immediate selfish needs and there's something that's a higher goal and a higher calling. Uh, would you agree with me that that's something that we need to relearn as a whole? As well, I would love that would, uh, people would embrace that, but uh, a smart person would see how people are behaving and then provide a, a vehicle that's not going to cause them to provide a big change in their life. Um, I'd like to see that eventually that people would become less, I, I call it the dumbifying of America, Right. that we're drawn into this bright light and we're transfixed on it, and we think that that's living. And I just see a lot of our time is wasted by entertainment. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you, no, know, you know, you know, as a Christian, like, God's kind of basically told me, you need to take the vehicles that have caused us to turn our gaze from the good things in life, and then just use those same vehicles, then flip them back. And so that's kind of my idea with the, the concerts that people pay to go to concerts all the time, uh, but they're coming out to these events, and and so why can't we just have a concert and mm-hmm. You know, uh, this is a Christian station, so I'll tell you a little bit about my ideas, but it's kind of like Jesus on the cross, right? That stage is kind of the foot of the cross, which represents the Constitution. And to the right is the, the you know, the the sinner basically who saved, or got saved that day. And to me, it's like that's our karaoke. You bring your talent and God will give the increase. You know, and then to the left is the propaganda, which you would have the politicians and even coalition there was everybody has a slant on something. Um, and so it gives them a chance to present who they are. I'm not saying that, that it's all lies, you know, um, but it gives you a chance to hear some of their perspective and, mm-hmm. and, and shake their hand and say, wow, maybe you're not as mm-hmm. bad as I thought, you know. Right. Um, and so so it's kind of like a, the cross, basically. I, I laid that kind of like the cross, and, and that's, you know, I think it's the right way to go. And, and it helps fund the whole movement. I mean, when you right. create an engine... That, let's just say we have 500 people show up for one. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just say it's 20 bucks a ticket. You know, that's, um, you know, that's uh, about $10,000, right? Mm-hmm. That's available for the next event. And, mm-hmm. you know, eventually you get to a certain size. You're not trying to, you know, take advantage of people. But, you know, you got to start off somewhere, and then you can lower the price of the ticket as we go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you can have a, a big band out like George Strait or... Uh, you know, the Eagles or something like that, because people are drawn to them. What about Lady Gaga? Have you got her signed on yet? <laughs> no, not yet. You don't have Lady Gaga? Okay. Uh, well, you know, at the same t- same time, even though I may not agree with their music and who they are, um, yeah. that, you know, it's not for me to tell people what they're going to listen to. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you're a karaoke person and you win that contest, right, and then why you shouldn't open for somebody like George Strait to launch your career? You know, so mm-hmm. we needed to give people the opportunity to saying that you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances in life. Uh, when you begin to take positive steps, God can use you in a, in a great way. And, and I just, you know, the whole idea is to, you know, to glorify God to me personally uh, in a way that people just have never thought about. Because mm-hmm. they're always too selfish. They're always thinking, they always want to be the center of attention. And, um, you know, I didn't want to be the center of attention. I, that's why I really didn't make a big deal to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I realized that political parties were trying to control this, it became clear that I had to stand up because, um, you know, it's just we can't allow these people to destroy our nation and mm-hmm. even to misrepresent this movement. Mm-hmm. Well, how does the Tea Party network relate to other grassroots movements, like, for example, the Campaign for Liberty, which, as I understand, grew out of the Ron Paul movement? And how is it different in its tenets? What Does it have any kind of relationship or connection, and how do they differ? 
Well, we are different. Um, you know, like the Tea Party organization is different because we're concerned about um, any group that wants to control just just one group by itself wants to control an event. I mean, we think all events at Tea Party uh, should be or Tea Party events should be a coalition, a group of people. Um, and many groups want to control the event to control the outcome of the election, which is I have a problem with that. Uh, you'll see some Tea Party events that that tend to have only one candidate, one groups of candidates on there. Uh, often these groups are controlled by political parties or interests, um, and and their interests just get their people elected. And so the Tea Party organization is nonpartisan, so it holds true to every sense of the word uh, that we're not taking sides, you know. Um, so I think that that's how we are, we're different. And then the coalition events should should not have just politicians take the, the stage, the main stage. Um, but there's a separate stage for them to campaign stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have some events that are, you know, some of them are linear, you know, which will require, you know, you know, as far as time, like hour one to hour, you know, say six or something mm-hmm. like that. That the conclusion of the concert, and then you may have a politician because you only have one stage. But it becomes clear this is this is the transition has been made. You know now it's open to you know fair to all politicians, not just one political party, but any politician who wants to be at the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the big difference is that we're not picking sides. You know mm-hmm. we're being nonpartisan and being a watchdog. Says look, we're just asking for every campaign. If you're you know campaigning for liberty. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, you're a constitutional party, provide us a consciously conservative candidate. We're looking for values, not, you know, politics. You know, we're not looking for a political party. We're looking for values. Now, those values that you're saying, I just want to make sure people understand this because of the confusion. Before, when I asked you to define what they were, you said basically that, that you had to represent the whole people and not just special interest. Is that the litmus test you would use for candidates that you would invite a spectrum of them, Democrat or Republican? Well, I mean, anybody can represent any value set, but I'm just saying that I don't think the Constitution is liberal. I think the Constitution is inherently conservative, because if the government's reaching into your pocket to take your money, how can you have life, liberty, and happiness? And so, just like I tell my kids, don't expect me to subsidize your bad behavior. You know, if you want to support your agenda, then do it out of your own pocket, but don't expect the American taxpayer to fund Mm -hmm. your agenda. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. the big difference. So I think that constantly conservative candidate is the right candidate, and their social perspective is something separate. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know, I can get things that I socially feel important, like my church, or or right. you know, uh, Habitat for Humanity, or, or American Red Cross. Those are things I pay out of my own pocket at my own expense, but I don't ask the rest of Americans to donate out of their pocket for something I believe in. Okay. Okay. Well, I just want to make sure uh, people were clear. We, we'd mentioned Campaign Liberty just because they were a um, one that people knew about as a, another grassroots group, and you were talking about them. You've had involvement. Are there ideological differences between the groups or just how they, like between Campaign for Liberty and Tea Party, or just in the procedure of how they do things? Are there, like as far as their position statements or things like that, or do they differ well, at all? Uh, if you know anything about the Libertarian uh, Party, I mean, that's the Campaign for Liberty, a lot of libertarians, uh, they have some value sets that I, I disagree with, but, you know, that's, you know, there's people that believe that way. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not saying Campaign for Liberty, but I know in general that libertarians want to legalize marijuana, you know, and, and, and prostitution. And I think that as a Christian, that's, my value sets are opposed to that. But, uh, if I'm in that area of Texas or some other area of the country that believes those value sets, at least be constantly or conservative, you know, mm-hmm. physically conservative. 
you know, once you do it on your own time, if you want to influence the government to do that, I can't. You can't control everybody. They're going to mm-hmm. do what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's going to inspire most Americans to rally behind you. Yeah. When you don't, uh, when you embrace that aspect of you know being liberal, um, and and so, you know, I mean, they're good people. And they, I mean, other than the fact that a few tenants that are, are maybe. Uh, or not my interests, or, or people that I, you know, as a Christian would believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of those things are in common. So, and the biggest thing is what I kind of also look at is if something polarizes you, let's just set that aside. Let's, you know, yeah. if you really want to push that, then go ahead and push that, but you're not going to get my vote. Right. You yeah. know, w- one of the things you mentioned earlier, and you sort of anticipated one of my questions inadvertently, um, but, but you uh, talked about it directly, was the fact that there's some people that were talking about that some of the politicians who actually created the problems that we have today, like mm-hmm. the banker bailout and the other bailouts, AIG and all these kind of things. Right. You know, some of these people I saw on TV, they were jumping up on the stage, uh, in, you know, saying they were in support of the movements, the Tea Party movements. I was thinking, wait, you are the guys that were back in the smoke-filled room doing things. And you mentioned, you know, that you saw clearly that there were people that were trying to co-opt the group and do right. things like this. And, and one of the ones that amazes me that's very high profile is Glenn Beck, because Glenn Beck seems like he highly identifies with the movement, but yet he was strongly supporting the banker bailout and really pushed the banker bailout hard and has justified it again since then. And now he's trying to push another additional tax, uh, in addition to the income tax, a national sales tax on people. Um, what do you think about this? I mean, people like Glenn Beck and other guys like this, um, h- how do you handle that kind of situation? You know, what's your perspective of them and, and, and what they're up to? Well, um, you know, first of all, you know, I personally have survived uh, without the support of, of these hijackers or, or the puppeteers, you know, yeah. the political action committees. And, it's, it's, and basically we're in a hard fight and we're in a war with these, and I call them oligarchs. You know, and I'm not saying Glenn Beck's an oligarch, but uh, yeah. when you're promoting policies that benefit a few and not the many, um, and if you go on uh, TeaParty.org, you'll see on the site that um, I provide a solution for you know job creation uh, a long time ago. I mean, uh, back when everybody else was like they want to start this movement, I already had all this mapped out and on the site. Uh, but nobody wanted to pay attention because I wasn't well funded by some political group. Um, and so I wasn't in bed with them either. So no, but the idea was to get that money to the American people. And you know, Nehemiah chapter five says, "Restore my people." And Nehemiah basically, um, you know, emphasized that that these uh, Jewish leaders were to restore all the the loans that that were you know uh, uh, due these people, plus the interest on top of that uh, that they paid these the, these uh, leaders. Um, and so I said, give the money back to the people because they're the ones that need restitution. And today you'll see, um, even in, in the news, they're talking about, you know, if you can't give a small business a, you know, credit because there's no demand. Well, if you get the, the people out of debt, you take the bonds, bondage off of them. And all of a sudden now you've created a demand, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's what I suggest. And I'm also was a financial advisor in the Navy and also for a Fortune 100 company. So I'm not, you know, just kind of come up with some wild idea. Yeah. I mean, I spent many, many years, uh, you know, quite a few years, uh, about 12 years working the financial aspects. Uh, and so I, I've come from a lot of knowledge and, and understanding of the, the issues. But you create the demand by freeing the people, but you, you don't give people money right off the mat. You make mm-hmm. them develop a budget, right? right. 
Right. You develop a budget, you get 20% of that, you know, $39,000, which is like not 8000 bucks a month. Uh, of that, 20% goes in the stock market to invest. 10% goes to, uh, you know, rainy day fund for emergency fund. And the other 70% is used to pay off their debt to get them living within their means. And for those who are already living with their means, and they could mm-hmm. they could plug it in where they want. They could buy a car, they could put it in the stock market or whatever. And all of a sudden, then you create jobs immediately because there's a need for those things. They're looking for products, looking for you know cars or you know TV or a phone or food or whatever. And so now you did create this instant demand. And then, and you continue to do that as long as people. And you really need the church. You need everybody to pull together. Says we're going to work to restore the American citizen. You know, mm-hmm. and when you restore the American citizen, it it liberates us completely. Well, uh, if I could say that, that that some of the things you were talking about, if 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 we were looking at the government to do it, right. to be that specific, I'd be very uncomfortable because when the government does it, you have insider people in Washington who are making the calls, and they are already an elite anyway. They already want to rule our life, and they think they know how to live life better than us. That will define it. But when you let people outside of that, non-coercive people like houses of faith, like other civic groups, or whoever someone feels comfortable with, to allow them to work with them in the community to define those kind of ways to help lift people up, get responsible lifestyles. I'm certainly much more supportive of that, uh, as long as it takes the power brokers out of their control over our life. Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, it would be great if all the churches came in line and said, look, we're going to provide a, the, the forum that a financial advisor can be here. And, and there's lots of financial advisors that goes to church. And, and they're really not to gain anything by this, but to restore society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you. I want government out of anything uh, other than the fact that, you know, you haven't spent that money that was for the stimulus, right? You haven't spent that money for the bailout because there's a lot of it still sitting there. Uh, and so why can't you reallocate that back to the people? You know, and some people are going to make bad decisions, and we have to accept that. You know, but for the most part, if they follow a budget, you know, after five months, they're debt-free. Mm-hmm. They're living with their means. They know what a budget is, right? And then I say one time only, give them all a perfect credit score because you've got to get people a clean slate. This mm-hmm. is the economy. What they've done is destroy this economy. But you know and, what? If if a group in a community does this, gets together, and makes like, like what you've done, sit down and try to come up with a formula to make it work, it can work because right. you have the authority to do it. If you have your hands on a pot of money people have donated to help people in their community, you right. can write the rules as you see fit. If someone does not want to play by those rules, it's just like when they go to a homeless shelter. If they don't want to play by the rules, they can leave. They can go somewhere else to stay and the same thing like that. And it provides a, a non-coercive opportunity where if they're going to go get help, they're going to work in concert with what, what you and others who have been successful you know, establish the rules. But it's not well, like you know, the government have, that's We have a lot of churches with food banks and stuff like that that do things just like that. Right, you sure. Know, so, that's you know, right. there's... So there's vehicles out there to to do it properly, and where there's controls and and there's not waste, you know. And mm. these people are held accountable. And so the idea is just to restore the person. But you know, the other question that you're talking about was the bailout and all these things about Glenn Beck. Is it, my problem is that nobody has been held accountable. You know, it's like here they are. They have all ripped us off. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this has gone on for years and years and years, right? And so you know, nobody's held accountable for this big heist that they're doing. You know, and it's, it's ironic that, um, you know, nobody's been in a jail, nobody's been kicked mm-hmm. out of office, no resignation, no nothing. And yet we want to trust them with more money. You right. know, it's like, and it's really, if you really get down to the thing is like, they write policies in order to skim to get reelected. 
You know, if you understand, it's called money laundering, right. and that's what they're doing. We should stop them from processing any bills right now. There should be not a single bill passed until we get a control on where this money is mm-hmm. going. If you can't restore the American people, then I don't want anything else restored. Well, you know, I don't want right. I don't want the financial institutions restored. I think those are they're not doing it. I mean, they're not helping us out anyway. Right. Uh, well, well, I agree with you that if people are doing criminal activity, whether it's the recipients of it or the people in Congress that are being bought off. We know we have guys like Chris Dodd that were getting sweetheart deals from countrywide and things like this. Mm-hmm. They should be held accountable. The people who have the lowest opinion of are people, like I mentioned, like Mr. Beck, who now comes across as the leader of this movement, this grassroots movement, fighting all the all the bailouts and all, you know, all yeah, this other. When he was the one supporting it from the very, very beginning and was a chameleon. And, and right. there's other there's other act you know other uh, officials political officials that have done the same thing, and in fact Bill Clinton did the same thing with the Republicans. He took over their talking points a long time ago, and he rode that to victory uh, at that point. But I see it right now, and it's exploiting people. You, you know, one of the um, um, uh, well, I'll tell you what, with that Glenn Beck, if he really believed in this movement, all the money that he's made off his books, he could donate to the Tea Party. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, see, that's my point. Is like yeah. you're talking about people that they have these think tanks. They know what you want to hear. They they mimic everything that you want to hear, and now all of a sudden they're the champion of your cause. I mean, you look at Congress. Whenever something comes out, they want to find out what the people think. How should I position myself that I'm the champion of their causes? I mean, uh, Kate Bailey Hutchins here in Texas. You know, uh, you know, she voted for the bailout. Right. You know, so she wants to sound like, oh, I was championing the cause of the American people. And, and the reality is that she cares less about what you want. She just wants to find out what you want to hear. Right. And when they find out what they want to hear, they're there to sell you something. They have a low opinion of the people, and that's why you have people like Obama saying that, you know, these people out there, they just cling to their guns and religion. Uh, it's a very condescending view of the rest of us in America, and both political parties have that kind of view, and they use that kind of something akin to that terminology all the time, uh, re- referring to us. You, you know, you, you've mentioned a number of times about the core of the movement being related to uh, conservative causes. Uh, however, I can remember in some of the things on TV, particularly when Glenn Beck was talking, but other people in defending the Tea Party, they said, look, there's a lot of disaffected Democrats and other people out there that feel like these these people are being disingenuous, even their own Democratic Party. Uh, you, you mentioned the conservative, uh, you know, right-wing aspect of things. Is the movement doing anything else to attract disaffected people from the left, people who have become very cynical of their leadership? Well, like I said, we're physically conservative. I really don't care what their social values are because, we, you know, that's something, you know, you know, my my church does a great job as, as far as preaching the gospel, um, and so I'm not saying I don't care on, on the big picture as far as our nation, but physically I'm talking about dollars. You know, I mean, I can't make you to believe what I do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we don't really, I don't, the whole idea is I can't care about your social values as far as a Tea Party movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I expect the taxpayers to finance, you know, I expect them to finance their own agenda, not the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And I've often told my children, like I said before, that I'm not here to finance your bad behavior. Right. You know, if you're going to behave badly, you're going to pay it on your own uh, your own pocket. You got to learn from your own ex- experiences. Mm-hmm. And so my the kids know they can't, they must be accountable mm-hmm. and and not expect a 
less. Why would I expect less from our public officials? You know, and okay. uh, we're united by the Constitution. Without this foundation, then we have no liberty, and the tyrants remain in power. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got to hold them accountable. And so those Democrats that you're talking about are disenfranchised because they are uh, physically conservative. You know, they may mm-hmm. lean to the left a little bit, uh, but they they're not represented. I mean, I was on. Um, um, What's his name? Alan Combs' show, mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, a few weeks ago, but almost mm-hmm. a month ago yeah. now. Another fine conservative man. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, and he proceeded to tell me that he represented the voice of the Democratic Party. Oh. I said, no, you don't. I said, I said, you do not represent all those conservative Democrats that I've seen in these Tea Party events. I says, he goes, well, I'm a liberal. I said, there you go. You have a special yeah. interest. You represent a special interest of the Democratic Party, not the majority interest. Yeah. I said, there's a lot of, of Democrats. I said, you know what? We'd have a larger number of people supporting the Tea Party if the Democrats knew it wasn't Republican-controlled. Mm-hmm. I said, right now they have the perception that it's all right. Republicans, and largely has to do with these people trying to co-opt the movement. Right. Uh, but when they realize that, look, the guy who started this is nonpartisan. Um, he's being attacked by you know the Republicans viciously uh, to demean me and to de- yeah. you know marginalize me. Um, I said, but I'm not with them. I says I oppose them just as much as I do the Democrats who are misusing our tax dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't agree with war. You know I don't want to go to war. And I think that these seats of power deliberately protract things so they can extract more wealth from the American people. Mm-hmm. And if we look past those issues and say, look. The right and the left in politics will will extend things or protract things so they can drain more of our resources for their own petty uses. Boy, it sounds like you've been listening to the Future Quake show because we <laughs> methodically week after week document that and go to historians and others that look through history of our nation and how this has been a, a long playbook that they've used for this. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future and Tom Aramalama Bionicon. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Uh, you know, this segment really had some, to me, newsworthy information. Boy, no kidding. That Mr. Robinson shared that debunked a lot of things that the press, who who never really asked, to me, very deep questions for the most part, not you tooting think? our horns. <laughs> but, I mean, they just never really get into stuff. Yeah. But, you know, um, didn't mean to put him on the spot in some of our questioning, and it probably looks more so later in the interview. But um, asking about Glenn Beck. Uh, he didn't miss words about it. No, he was. He pretty, knew. He knew that he was co-opting it. Well, I, I, I felt it was interesting because I felt like though he was polite, he said exactly what I feel. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he 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 didn't know. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was polite, but he didn't miss words. That yeah, yeah he he acknowledged Glenn Beck. Mm-hmm. What, what was sort of against all these things of the Tea Party and just lopped onto it, mm-hmm. trying to run it. And uh, if you watch Glenn Beck now, you'll see him as, oh, he's Mr. Tea Party. He's Mr. In fact, he went, remember he stood on the stage on TV? He was on national TV on the stage with all the Tea Parties. Hmm. Even though he he never mentioned there that he'd voted for the banker bailouts. Yeah. And he, or wanted more taxes. Well, and he, he mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he, in fact, did vote for John McCain. So okay, it's difficult, you know, for a guy who portrays himself as very libertarian. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not part of the system at all. So, I mean, to me, that was very newsworthy that came out of our our show, as well as the fact that, you know, he had mentioned about uh, the Republicans trying to take it over as well, too, which is somebody, as you hear him, he's consistently very conservative. Uh, I mean, he doesn't uh, betray that fact that that's his leaning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you would think he would be right in step with the Republicans, but he's certainly not. Yeah, and it looks like he's getting farther and farther away. Mm-hmm. 
uh, from yep. that. Yeah, I know we're coming up to the end here, but we need to let our listeners know how to contact us. So, Merv, tell them how to get a hold of us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're last few seconds here. Let's any, get out. Any more comments? None. Okay, uh, we've only got one more segment left with Dale Robinson, so come back here at tomorrow. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom against the New World Order Bionic. Really? Yep. That, it, it was very quick, too. There was no hesitation on that one. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for our third and final installment with Dale Robertson, who is the founder, and yes, the founder, originator of the Tea Party movement that you hear about in the news across the country, president of TeaParty.org. Uh, he must have thought Future Quake was something else, otherwise he would have probably never set foot yeah. here. Somehow we sold him that we were somebody Thank important. Thank you for being on... Oh, wait a minute. What is this place? Yeah, but uh, before he was able to catch wind of who we really were, he came anyway. Uh, and he is a bona fide newsmaker, but a very humble man. Uh, very humble man. He put up with us with delays in getting our show started. And then he stuck around for a long time afterwards, even though he was only supposed to be here for an hour off off the air. Yeah. There's some very encouraging words. With him. And uh, I was very impressed with his nature and how he carried himself. Uh, and we're going to uh, get into some little more sticky information here, but um, it was handled in a very interesting way. So I think you'll enjoy this segment. Uh, we, we get to the meat and potatoes here. So here is Dale Robertson, uh, founder of the Tea Party Movement, under, about understanding the goals, motives, and plans of the Tea Party Movement. And we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. You just brought up my, my next question. Um, it's like you read the question. Well, or I, something. I, I, <laughs> I know that uh, you know you talk about on, on your website about um, the movement uh, being in, in regarding defending America's security and in, in sovereignty. I know that you had a, a, a good sized career in the military. Uh, I actually worked for the military as a civilian, uh, helping them develop their technology for the warfighter and things like this. But d- does does the Tea Party movement have any kind of official position about the Iraq War itself, and this whole idea that has emerged of preemptive war, and the idea related to that of spreading democracy via our military to other parts of the world and the Patriot Act and things like that to go with it? Is is there does this come up as as part of the discussion at all? Well, you know, I my approach as far as anything at Tea Party is you have to prioritize things. I mean, I was a, a you know a nuke in the Navy and supply officer, and and so whenever I do things, I, I'm also an efficiency expert. I used to work for Fortune 100 companies to streamline them, and so my goal is that you always prioritize things. That these other issues, like you're talking about, the issue of war. Are important issues because they are they're extracting our wealth. I mean, we have to have some sort of uh, 
defense, uh, and there's some industries that we need to keep uh, uh, alive in case we are attacked. Uh, but, uh, you know, war itself is the last mechanism of diplomacy. Uh, you know, if you can't use sanctions, you can't, um, you know, raise the rhetoric or power projection with an aircraft carrier, stuff like that, uh, to influence these people to stand down, um, then you're going to have to go to war. And uh, the problem is, is that when they decide to protract these things, they're, they're really not unleashing the power of our military. And so, you know, America's, we don't desire to have conflict and it's all possible we try to avoid it. Um, and so, we can be either your best friend or your worst enemy, and um, and we try not to you know we try not to live at the statement uh, on either side. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. if you look at it, we don't live it to the statement on either side that uh, we're not your best friend and we're not your worst enemy, you know, which is funny. I mean, we say that, but we we actually do just the opposite of that. We train these guys right to how to attack us. I mean, look at uh, Yemen. We're over there training those guys that will turn around and use that training against us in their jihad. You mean like with, with Al-Qaeda, since they were on the CIA payroll all oh, the time, absolutely. right up to 911? Yeah. Right. Hmm. I mean, so the government does a lot to per- extend these things. In fact, I think they create these conflicts on purpose uh, so they can benefit financially from this. And you know, I guess we've already kind of talked about that. Well, to but, me, if uh, that's true, and I agree with you that that's true, that they do that, that is something that can be overarching on, on even the physical issues that you focus on. That right. dominates the, the physical nature of our country itself uh, in, in, in the tremendous money we have to spend because of the things we get our nose in the middle of and the Middle East and all the overseas bases we have and all this other kind of thing like that. That that, that can dominate the, the financial issues that we deal, the commitments that we have. Uh, well, for, if you look at the issues, that we're not looking at solving the issues. We're allowing these two things to fester. You know, and so I think it's a benefit what we talked before is large corporations, and it's not in the interest of the American people. So that's that's the concern. Okay. So do they have like at this point forward, given where we're in right now, you know, in Iraq and things like that, is there any kind of feel about what should be done right now and in the future regarding those? Well, incidents? I think the biggest issue is our focus is get true representatives in office. You know, that's the only way we're going to stop that, mm-hmm. and then begin to look at our involvement in in, in these issues like that. Um, I mean, there's. A, I mean, I've got friends that are in the National Guard. There, and my my nephew's a Marine, um, so he's in the Marine Corps. And I was in Marines too, so I have an affinity to the Marine Corps as well. Um, but uh, that their their hands are tied. Oftentimes, you've got uh, people there that adjudicating, right? Uh, well, did you uh, treat this guy nicely? Did you he busted his lips? So we're going to put you in jail. Uh, oh my goodness! I mean, they don't care about cutting our heads off. You know, we don't ask them, well, did they behave, you know, I'll give you an example. My son, you know, he's growing up, I was, I was extremely lean, I'm a little heavier now, because uh, I messed my knees up and I can't run anymore. But as he got older, he could hit me harder, and it, was, it would hurt after a while. I was like, son, stop, and he wouldn't listen to me. So I, I punched him firmly, he goes, oh, that kind of hurt, Dad. I think, well, so I told you to stop, so he hits me again, I hit him firmly again. I says, if you don't want to play by civil rules, right, then we need to behave uncivil. You know, and so if we untie our men's hands and say, look, these people are out to kill us, and if we make them pay heavily, they will stop, and they will rethink their strategies. Look, they're not insane. They don't want to all die. I said, but if you want to start dying like this, then we'll be happy to kill you off. You know, and I, I hate to say that, but that's the only way they're, you know, when power exercises, all I think they understand is power, you know. If they begin become civil, then we say, okay, we'll we'll go back to our way of governing. 
which mm-hmm. is the civil government. That has diplomacy and all these other mechanisms. But you want to escalate to violence right off the bat, and I said, fine, then we'll, we'll use violence, but we're not going to tie our guys' hands. You, They're you not going to go... What, yeah. What's interesting about that is that, it, that that sort of ties in. You're talking about how you play by the rules regarding what's called enhanced interrogations, or some people call it torture, uh, you know, for terrorists, and the fact that... Um, Particularly in conservative circles, this is big, that if, if someone's labeled a terrorist, then there really are no rights there per se, and, and anything goes as far as what's required to extract information. But what's scary is at the same time our own government, and this was under the Bush administration and under Obama, has released reports through the Homeland Security Department saying that people who believe in national sovereignty against United Nations control for gun rights, for the uh, uh, rights for uh, the unborn, uh, even returning veterans are now listed as potential domestic terrorists. So people who support some of those kind of activities are going to find those same kind of things taken against them because now they're labeled terrorists as well. Does your organization or you have any kind of concern about that, that we may be tying our own noose that will be used against us, now their own government is called people who have values like you have and I have as actual domestic terrorists? Well, I think they're out of their mind. That's why I call them criminally insane. <laughs> you know, uh, you know these veterans are patriots. You know, I came back from 9/11 because my battle group was part of that, uh, the first attack on a- Afghanistan, and I told our senators in Washington State, I said, you know what, we're just your children doing what you asked us to do. Why would you ever spit on us and kick us in the face? And I realized it. They don't care. All, they have no moral compass. They they're quickly to put our men and women who do our bidding. Uh, in harm's way, not only on the battlefield, but even at home, and to feel that they're, they're a threat to us as Americans, they're patriots, period. I mean, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And, and, you know, when they do things like that, there's lawful orders and there's unlawful orders. And that's obviously an unlawful order. That I'm not a terrorist, I support and defend the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Well, they've decided that you are a terrorist, according to the DHS reports. And by the way, Tom and I too are as well. Yeah, we're all we're all terrorists. And so <laughs> when it when it comes to like the, the hardball playing, you know, where we set aside rights for terrorists and we set aside the right for trials, I'm afraid that same support is going to be used against us one day, since they've already played their hands on where they're going with this and the end game that they have. And when I mention about these guys playing hardball. I think they've already put their plan of action in writing already. You can go to the DHS website and actually download the report, and you can see our names written all over it. So, um, you know, I've I've always been one traditionally from the conservative side, uh, but now I see the importance of civil rights now when I'm on the verge of maybe losing them myself. Uh, right. for, for the positions that I have. I know we're getting up here to the end. I just have a couple uh, wrap-up uh, questions for you here. There is a movement, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, within Christian circles called the Dominionist Movement. Uh, and it's made up of God-fearing Christian leaders uh, whose slogan, you'll often hear them even on Christian radio say this, is to occupy until I come. And they will talk about, if you if you listen to some of their materials, they're very high-profile people, talking about the seven pillars or mountains of societal leadership uh, and what they're trying to do is to establish Christian leaders in all of those areas, including government, with the intention of using the coercive power of government to make this nation a Christian nation, uh, abiding by and enforcing the laws of the Bible and bringing the kingdom of God here on earth. Uh, there's a lot of your, your major evangelical uh, ministries, national ministries, that strongly support this. It includes groups like the Family, uh, which includes a lot of your congressmen in Washington, D.C., all conservative uh, the National Prayer Breakfast Group, 
and uh, and many others like that. Um, have you seen them getting involved in the Tea Party movement or reaching their no, arms I, around that? I think that they're they're probably committed or to their own uh, method, mechanism of establishing what they want to do. Um, but you can call that more like the one world order, you know, in this case maybe a Christian order, which is, you know, I find hard to disagree, but sometimes even Christian faiths can be very tyrannical. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, and I think this is a distorted position on Christianity, because mm-hmm. God never forces himself upon people. It is an well, invitation, right? Yeah. Uh, and well, so I believe that- that's the crux of it. What you just mentioned right there is the crux, whether we're going to use the coercive power of government with the attempt to make people how God wants them to be, or whether we're going to use the work of the Holy Spirit and his people through the church as a means by which to accomplish it. And, that, and that's where the, the church is coming apart and drawing sides in America on how well, the best I, way to I, do I that. Well, I think it's important to be a Christian and not to be afraid to express your values right. in government policies. But to make people, you know, conform to your Christian faith is, is a different issue. You know, so I believe in the marketplace of ideas, to be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, I think, you know, there are deliberate attempts to exclude Christianity in the public sector, and it's pretty ironic that no other system of religion has ever been as tolerant and mm-hmm. to the belief of others than Christianity. So you think that open competition works even in ideas of sharing the reality of who God is, just like anything else in society? Oh, absolutely. I think that God says, test and know that I'm God. You know, so it's mm-hmm. the tolerance of other religions that makes our, our religion the most legitimate of all ideologies. Okay. If, if we can't have a marketplace where that is free to, to differing perspectives, we have no freedom. And mm-hmm. it's also true of every group that uses various methods to recruit. So, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that's something I just suggested at whatever time you have to sort of keep an eye on that because they're extremely well-funded. Um, they have a long support of the evangelical movement, and uh, they're growing uh, by leaps and bounds and have a strong presence in Washington. Uh, in, in, in closing here, there's a few things that I know our listeners will want to know just so they understand the whole story uh, of things. And I know the Tea Party has grown to be so big, and you don't control everything that's going on out there. It's just it's growing by leaps and bounds. But um, one of the things we try to do when we try to look at different organizations so we understand what's really going on is the funding uh, behind them, because that says a lot about what their goals and direction is. What What are the major groups funding the largest portion of the Tea Party movement itself, and what are their goals for the movement? Well, I, I funded mostly everything at TeaParty.org out of my own pocket. And okay, all right. Resources, so. But there are a large number of groups out there, and I say follow the money trail if you want to discover the, the objectives of these organizations. Okay. You know, well, Freedom Works is right. a Republican-controlled Dick Army. Uh, Our Country Deserves Better is another Republican-controlled group. Americans for Prosperity is another. You know, you have to look at these names and say, who are these people? And, uh, you know, in Campaign for Liberty, we already talked about them earlier, that uh, they're largely libertarians, Mm -hmm. you know. So so basically, if you've got a PAC um, and if the organization only endorses certain candidates, then it's not truly nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're realizing... The public, for the most part, I think they're realizing the public's on them. They're, they're changing their names, right? Mm-hmm, and, right. and oftentimes they'll endorse a non-Republican uh, uh, just to kind of give the the ruse that they're nonpartisan. But right. the reality is, if if they're predominantly one party or the other, then they're probably funded by those parties, right. uh, no matter what the names of political action groups are called. Right. Uh, and so, and if they're if they want to stick to this Tea Party movement, which I started. Uh, they would be nonpartisan, and they'd work as a coalition. But if they're not, then they're probably okay. 
Hmm. That's fair. I'm I'm trying to be a little more disciplined when I see a group is to go back and do homework on it. And like Freedom Works you mentioned, I I was reading on them, and I believe uh, the Coke Industries. I believe there's Mr. Coke who's uh, very uh, strong and you know in, in these causes, conservative causes. I think they're in the petrochemical industry or something like that. So sometimes you can find why they support certain issues. Uh, when you can find out what their main industry is that, that they support. Um, in conclusion here, you know this week um, they're having something here in Nashville called the um, uh, Tea Party Convention, the National Tea Party Convention, which has been quite controversial. Uh, a number of the uh, elected officials have stepped out, like uh, Marsha Blackburn. I just she right. like that, yeah. And uh, uh, I think uh, Michelle Bachman actually has backed out, a few other major groups. And uh, even some of the people who were helping the uh, the Tea Party Nation group putting this on have said that, you know, be- becoming a for-profit group has sort of uh, gotten them upset and things like that. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, they brought in Sarah Palin as sort of like the main headliner for it. It's like a $500, you know, a person attendee. What, what do you think about that? Are you affiliated at all with that activity at all or have no, any I, idea I've about it? No, I've talked to the leaders of that, and I'll disagree with people saying for-profit is the wrong way to go. Um, you know, unless you're going to have to have money somewhere to cover the cost of these events, and either you jump in the bed with the, with the political action committees, which is uh, they're trying to control the outcome of the election, or you ask people to donate, which I have, and, and a lot of people can't donate because they just can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Or you do something worse for profit. And but the idea is, um, you know, first of all, anybody can call anything a national convention, right? Right. Just because they someone right. calls the National Tea Party Convention doesn't mean it's a national tea party. Um, I mean, I wasn't directly invited, but I've talked to them, and I understand their model. And, you know, if you could design a better widget than I can or or, a product or process than I can, then then I'm happy for you. But the only problem is is that you're going to keep the money, right? You're not going to share it with the coalition. And so it's pretty much, you know, that too many profiteers and politicians are trying to misdirect this movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's why I felt that we should form a coalition. And so in, in D.C. on the 15th of December of last year, we pulled together about a coalition of 6 million members. But the problem is that you know, communication is not swift, and there's lots of splinter groups out there that are unaware of the importance of a coalition. You know, So mm-hmm. our goal is basically not to control but unite as a nonpartisan organization and sharing info and costs and resources to make it mutually beneficial mm-hmm. while we keep our own identities. I mean, so in other words – if we do a concert, the idea is that the coalition will basically set a priority list of what needs to be funded. Mm-hmm. And with with the intent that a, a, a portion of that would maintain the skeleton structure of the coalition mm-hmm. that have concerts in the future because we have to keep a watchdog organization. We have to something have equally as powerful as these special interests that represents the interests of the majority. Mm-hmm. Without that... We're, we're victims again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you're not directly affiliated with it. Uh, you know, it's it sort of had a black eye here locally in the news because of what's been going on. Uh, but you're not 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 a part of it. But it's a free country; people can do as they please, basically. Is that right? And I think that yeah. uh, some people that and I obviously think some of these political action committees have stirred up the individual patriot groups uh, to come against them mm-hmm. uh, because they don't like the idea of competition. You know, mm-hmm. and and I don't initially agree that somebody should profit personally. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, 
but also don't have the opposition because you started something that you shouldn't, you know, benefit, reap the benefits from what you did. I mean, maybe we asked Bill Gates to not to profit from Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I pretty much did that with the Tea Party. I didn't want to benefit from it, so I gave it away. Right. I let everybody have the tools for free. I spread the word as, as, as easily as I possibly could through the Internet and through other connections mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That um, because I didn't want to profit, I just said, you know, let's restore a nation. But mm-hmm. you, know, you can't feed an army on an empty stomach, though. And I realized that. So there's there's a need <laughs> for you know a, a competitive yeah. aspect of it. Uh, but you know, if you're going to be true to my value set, then then that money should go back to restore our mm-hmm. nation and and to fund and help support these other coalition members, not just you know TeaParty.org, but everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, your approach is something that's very in common, again, with our other guests that we have here on ourselves, yeah. uh, about uh, n- not looking at it from a money perspective, but just trying to make a positive uh, change and benefit for your fellow neighbors uh, there. Uh, as we come to conclusion here, as we're saying goodbye, and I appreciate all your time you spent with us today, um, can you just uh, conclude with telling us what your main areas of interest and goals for the Tea Party movement over the next few years are going to be? Uh, I know it's obviously getting some people in elected office that have, you know, endorsed the, the Tea Party view of things. Anything else, additional issues, anything like that that you said as goals? Well, uh, again, Tea Party.org is probably the best place to see where we're going. Uh, okay. It's clear the American people require an organization that represents the interests of the majority and not and kind of like a referee, basically, uh, to keep these political parties in check. Uh, our organization, you know, should, should should be a watchdog or inspector general, but it may require for a period of time that we, we might have to be a political party because uh, right now um, uh, it doesn't seem like the political parties want to yield. You know, right. so I kind of look at mm. it like it's kind of like a temporary martial law that we may have to just form a political party and say, look, and I, I've got trademarks on the Tea Party as well, just to let you know. <laughs> so okay. uh, if anybody wants to sue somebody for the Tea Party, they have no legal rights to sue you. I'm not going to sue you. Uh, unless you try to make a political party, then I have a problem with that. Because yeah. uh, if we're going to do that, we're all going to do it together, uh-huh. and, and we're all going to work together as a political party. Uh, but I haven't made that decision yet. But uh, right now, um, unless the uh, these political parties start yielding and start really working with us, uh, we may have to just say we're going to start our own political party, mm-hmm. including Democrats and Republicans, and we're taking back our nation. Mm-hmm. And then... Then after we do that period of martial law, like one or two elections, then the Tea Party moves back to a you know watchdog because I do not want the Tea Party to be a political oh. party. Mm. So it'd be sort of an ad hoc thing to get things squared away, and then you sort of like how Washington did when he left office. He didn't want to be a king forever. He got things right. on a stable footing, and then he stepped back, and that's how you see the the Tea Party movement. It it for for expediency's sake, it may have to be its own party. Uh, to get things going, and then it voluntarily gives up. It, it doesn't want to build up that that infrastructure that tends to decay and, and ends up having the same problems the existing parties have. Well, like they they make their mo- money off of basically you know these contracts with these government officials mm-hmm. or businesses, and and I don't like that. I think it's, those are monopolies, and when you have a a, yeah. a business that uh, basically cheats, right, and pays you as a referee to cheat. Uh, all of a sudden, now I'm a legitimate business competing against you. I can't compete with you, so I have to cut my benefits. Yeah. So therefore, I don't provide health care. I don't provide a pension plan anymore. I mean, 100 years ago, a lot of these corporations provided that, but they don't do it today because of what happens with government and corruption. Mm-hmm. Mr. Robertson, I want to tell you, thank you so much for being yeah. with us. Thank you for putting up with our with our delay and getting going here. And uh, 
uh, you've you've answered all our questions, and uh, I hope you maintain some contact with us. I know in your position you are you're in high demand, but you're certainly welcome to come back at any time. And uh, you mentioned TeaParty.org, and that's how we always conclude is we want to make sure our listeners know where they can go to get involved in the movement and to find out more about it. So can you make that clear again in conclusion for our listeners? Again, TeaParty.org is our website. Uh, you can join and become a member uh, and also realizing it doesn't matter what they call us. Um, you know, we need to restore our nation. And, and you know, I've been attacked viciously and, I hate to say this, but I've been called uh, you know, Marxist, a racist, and you name it. Uh, that's not going to stop me from defending my nation. And so, I mean, if you know, you know, our founding fathers are willing to risk their lives. They've risked all their wealth to defend our nation, and we need to get, get to get a little uncomfortable and and take back our nation. Mm-hmm. And, and really began to work together as a coalition and not let them divide us. Mm-hmm. Well, well, sir, I want to thank you so much for your commitment uh, uh, to your fellow neighbors and your nation. And I know your Christian faith, you don't push that on other people, it's obvious. You, you, you want people who are fellow citizens of, of different views to come together for common interests. But at the same time, I've got to think that sort of motivates you to be your brother's keeper and to look at things beyond what's in the best interest just of your immediate family. So we just want to thank you for that and uh, invite you back at any time. We'll have that website uh, archived uh, with this show, uh, where the show is here. And if you come to Nashville for some Tea Party meeting, uh, I'd sure it'd be great if you'd uh, get a hold of us, and we'd love to meet you sometime. Well, yeah. you have to give me your number, and I'll give you guys a call. Okay. If I get a chance to come by there. Well, get us some, uh, you know, we want to be the insider media people. You know, we've never yeah. been insiders <laughs> of anybody. So well, I'll give you a special invitation, so how about that's, that? Uh, that's right. Now we've arrived. It's only taken us five years, Tom, to get to this stage. <laughs> hey, well, yeah. we're also trying to develop a Tea Party radio network, so... Uh, um, if you guys are interested in that, just let us know, and, and we'll include your guys as, as Okay. Yeah. Well, we'd certainly like, I think you'd find information that's certainly sympathetic with your values. We have people like Judge Andrew DiPolitano uh, come on our show, uh, Rand Paul, uh, other kind of people who, who definitely, you know, from conservative. Joseph Farah uh, has come on our show before and others. So uh, I think they would certainly feel comfortable uh, with, with what we're doing here. Uh, God bless you and your work, Mr. Robertson. I, I pray for the best for you and as you know things get bigger and bigger you're going to have people who are going to have their feathers ruffled and try to muscle you and do other kind of intimidation and uh, we pray for god's graces for you mm-hmm. well thank you very much i appreciate it god bless well thank you so much and thanks for joining us we're back at future quake with dr future and ramalama bionicus mm-hmm. that's the one you've used a number of times yep you need to work on some new yeah. You know, people are emailing you new middle names. You need to start. Yeah, what was the one we got recently? Tom in the thrall of the New World Order yeah. Bionic. Yeah. Uh, something like that. But this was uh, an interesting segment uh, with Mr. Robertson. Uh, we've come from a little bit different paths and what our understanding was going on. But the more we talked with him, the more we found common ground about the nature of the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that is a real sticking point is this whole war issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we talked further, I think, in fact, even after we were off air, more commonality and understanding that there's something rotten going on there. Sure. And the powers that be, we're trying to make an extended war, uh, trying to do something else. We all agree that there are times when war needs to be, but I'm finding less and less that there is a times. Yeah. You know, when we talk to Dr. Cuddy and Dr. Stan and other people, yes, yeah. uh, it's, it's really hard to justify. Mm-hmm. Any last comments you had on him? Well, I... I will commend him, certainly, for a number of things. 
although we don't see eye on everything, I, you know, the whole mm-hmm. idea that we cannot be spectators any longer, I think, right. is particularly noteworthy. And he's a man who doesn't appear has been bought out, from what no. we can tell, no. with all sorts of money raved under his nose. Mm-hmm. And that's refreshing to see. Somebody else refreshing is Murr, if he can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. All right, let's get out of here. Okay, come back. We've got two segments of sort of tomorrow's tremors, a few other surprises. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, big ecumenical interfaith guy, Bionic. Oh, boy, you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, just kidding. it's great to be back with you. It's great to be back for another Future Quake Show. We will talk about that here in just a moment, okay? okay? Right. But uh, we really appreciated our interview this week with Dale Robertson, mm-hmm. and um, we, uh, we hope you learned something from that. It was educational, um, but it gives us an opportunity to have some extra news stories, mm-hmm. of which we... We usually end up jawing so much we never get around to covering all the news we should. I know, so I know. we have some extra news stories here this time. I know. And uh, just wondering if you would you like to start sharing with anything, or do you have any other announcements? Well, I for just the wanted to you know I've mentioned it a few times, uh, uh, and I do want to mention it again. Is that the uh, the last? There's a great conference going on uh, called the. I don't know what the name of it is. Last Days 2010. Is it like a secret or something like that? Is no, it no, forbidden it, to mention? It's not, and I'm mentioning it right now. It's You can go to the website. It's last-days.net. Really? Last-days.net. Yeah, and you and I are speaking ah. at it. Oh, we are. Yeah. Well, then I better get on something then. Yeah. Um, so I'm mentioning it. Just once again, letting our Futurian listeners... Yeah, okay, I hear you. What do you... What do you I'll just look for my notebook. Um, sorry, bro. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to mention things going on in the studio. We're suspending belief for the audience, the Futurian audience. Uh, well, the roster of speakers is growing, is it not? It is. We actually, uh, I think just today, uh, I think just and added uh, Chris Pinto. Really? Chris yeah. Pinto will be brother, there? Brother Chris will be. Will Are be you there? at liberty to share the other speakers that will be there? Well, uh, besides Tom Bionic and Dr. Future, mm-hmm. there's also... Given our own talk, we're separate. Yeah, because we would never agree together. On yeah, talk we don't together, even like so. each other after That's the right. mics go off. So we'll be sitting on the opposite sides of the uh, yeah. facility with our own separate bodyguards and mm-hmm. separate green rooms and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, well, Chris Pinto, Chris yeah. White, nowhere Chris to White, run radio nowhere. and uh, White Serpents. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Russ Dizdar. Yeah. You Mr. Know. Shatter the Darkness. Yeah, he's shattering Mr. the darkness. Mr. Black Awakening. Yep, he'll be shattering the darkness with us there in Antioch. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Guy Malone. Guy Malone, the alien stranger. The alien stranger, Lynn Marzulli, mm-hmm. and I believe uh, Joe Jordan as well. Oh my goodness! It's like a quite a 
Woodstock didn't have this kind of lineup. I know. It's it's uh, uh, it's like Lollapalooza, but bigger. Ladies and gentlemen, if you had to sell everything that you own mm-hmm. and scrape up money riding the back of like uh, like chicken trucks and stuff mm-hmm. to be able to get to Nashville, what days again is it? It's April 23rd and 24th. Okay. It would be worth it, thumbing your way across I'm even the Atlantic or Pacific. Mm-hmm. If you have to work in like a steamer ship or something, a couple months as a cook just to be able to get a ride over here. Well, I think there's there's been word from some of the other guests that th- some of their there there will be some international attendance. There will be international yeah, attendance, including a including a uh, I think a rock star, but really? they're supposed to be sort of hush hush. Okay, so well yeah, I would never you get and me and well, several. Nobody several, listens to this show, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, will there be flags from the different represented nations in there? Uh, no. This is sort of like a globalist event. It sounds like. Yeah, except everybody agrees to, like, we need to unite under the king of kings. Oh, okay. Yeah, nobody has power right now. Yeah, nobody has power or money, yeah. Yeah, but not from the king of this world. Yeah. Yeah. We need to unite under the king of kings, not not necessarily the king of this world. Creator of the universe. Yep. Uh, Okay, anything else you want to say on that? Uh, um, If you like my talk, clap loudly. If not, then... I'd clap loudly anyway. I know. I've I've got a strange one I'm working on. I've got one that it's something you recommended I do, which mm-hmm. is what I normally do in life, and something that I was really I'm telling you, Beta Max is going to come back, and it, <laughs> and uh, I've added some new research and some new things that uh, I'm, well, I'm curious to see. If people may just like boo me off the stage. I doubt which it. Is if, normal. If 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 it uh, if you have added to what you've shown me thus far, it's going to be a most intriguing talk. Well, yeah, then they'll, they'll boot me off. We hear the collective yawning. That's what hurts. Well, I'll tell you, man. You know, thank goodness we can't hear it here. All those, all these other great presenters. I'm just really sort of freaked out that you know, like I'm going to present my two cents, and there's going to be like crickets in the audience. And will there be a scoring of the speakers? <laughs> nine point five, nine point yeah. eight. That would be cool, yeah. wouldn't it? Like vote us off. Yeah, I get to the most interesting part, and there's like people playing backgammon in the front row. You know, yeah. not even listening. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Well, hey, how about doing some news stories? Okay, why don't you go first? You sure? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you saw this one. This is from the uh, Air Force uh, website, U.S. Air Force Academy. You probably read that daily, don't you? Uh, it's just the one. Uh, no, don't spoil it. Uh, okay. It probably is. Okay. Okay. The one about the chickens. Well, this is uh, United States Air Force Academy. Academy Chapel to add outdoor circle to worship areas. Mm-hmm. Academy Chapel to add outdoor circle to worship areas. Uh, and this is for uh, it, uh, earth-centered worship uh, on a hill overlooking the, cap- the Cadet Chapel. Uh, and uh, the chapel is scheduled to officially designate the circle make- they're making there as a pagan chapel. During a dedication ceremony in March 2010, um, so it says U.S. Air Force Academy. The Air Force Academy Chapel at a worship area for followers of Earth-centered religious religions during a dedication ceremony, which is tentatively scheduled to be held at the Circle March 10th. The circle, located atop the hill overlooking the Cadet Chapel and Visitor Center, will be the latest addition to a collection of worship areas that includes Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, and Buddhist sacred spaces. Uh, Tech Sergeant uh, Brandon Longcrier, NCO in charge of the, you know, they'll add a DMT location there probably for (laughs) 
It's like uh, the obstacle course. Yeah. Tech Sergeant Brandon Longcryer, NCO in charge of the Academy's astronautics laboratories, worked with the chapel to create the official worship area for both cadets and other service members in the Colorado Springs area who practice Earth-centered spirituality. Uh, and he's called the uh, Earth-centered lay leader, L-E-Y, lay leader at the Academy. Feel free to check the site out, but treat it as you would any other religious structure, he said. The stones that now form the inner and outer rings of the circle once sat near the visitor center. Um, they moved the rocks to the top of the hill. Uh, once finished, the circle will include materials from a smaller circle uh, that was set up. He says, we used the Jacks Valley Circle during basic cadet training, and it was great. Uh, however, the new circle offers significant advantages. The circle we secured in December is much bigger, better, and closer to the cadet area. Uh, probably allows more demons to enter in. Mm-hmm. Um, this will allow cadets to use the circle anytime they feel the need. The Academy's chaplains Great. have supported uh, Sergeant Longcryer's efforts every step of the way, the NCO said. There haven't been any obstacles for the new circle, he said. The chaplain's office has been 100% supportive. And uh, They said every service member is charged with defending freedom for all Americans, and that includes freedom to practice our religion of choice, or for that matter, not to practice any faith at all, said Chaplain William Ziegler, uh, the cadet wing chaplain. Being in the military isn't just a job, it's a calling. We all take an oath to support and defend the Constitution, and that means we've all sworn to protect one another religious liberties. Uh, we put on our uniforms the same way, we're all airmen first. It says, the pr- uh, presence of diverse worship areas presents a sea change from five years ago when reports surfaced alleging religious intolerance at the academy. It's interesting that that chaplain said that he's, uh, they're airmen first, and that you know, you would think a chaplain would say, well, yeah. I'm like, you know, child, a, Christian. a child of God first. Yeah, very good catch there, yeah. Mr. Bionic. Uh, it says, uh, Sergeant Longcryer became pagan shortly after arriving at the academy in 2006 and said he believes the climate has improved dramatically. When I first arrived here, Earth-centered cadets didn't have anywhere to call home. Now they meet every Monday night. They get to go on retreats. They have a stone circle. We have representation on the Cadet Interfaith Council, and I even meet with the chaplains of Peterson Air Force Base once a year to discuss religious climate. Earth-centered spirituality includes traditions such as Wicca, Druidism, and several other religious paths that, while relatively new, trace their roots to pre-Christian Europe, uh, Sergeant Longcryer said. Uh, Gerald Gardner uh, founded the first Wiccan tradition in England in 1952, with Neo-Druidism following in the early 1960s. Some Earth-centered traditions involve the worship of gods and goddesses, whereas others may involve only one deity or none at all. Reincarnation is a popular concept, as is rebirth and celebrating the cycle of the seasons. It says famous outdoor worship circles include Stonehenge and Avebury in England, and Native American sites such as Bighorn Medicine Wheel in Wyoming and Cahokia Hinge in Missouri. The worship circle at Fort Hood, Texas, became a flashpoint for discussions about paganism in the U.S. military after it was established by the Sacred Well Congregation in 1999. The Fort Hood Open Circle was vandalized on four separate occasions from 1999 to 2000, uh, including uh, one in which the half-ton uh, altar was destroyed outright. Um, it said in response, a member of the Sacred Well Congregation said, If we speak together, we are coarse to be heard. If we whisper alone, we are but a sigh in the dead of night. Hmm. We want to create that chorus, Chaplain Ziegler said. We want to invite the Academy leadership, the Cadet Interfaith Council, the news media, and people from every religious background for the dedication ceremony. We want this dedication service to be another example of celebrating the freedom we enjoy as well as the freedom we as airmen have pledged to defend. So I read that fast because I don't want to take up forever. No, that's okay. 
So I'll sort of speed reading. Important one there. But can I make a comment on it? If you have any comments, mm-hmm. to me the issue is not uh, do they have a right to practice their faith there. Yeah. Um, with civil government, I don't think we can play favorites on what people's faith is. Sure. To me, the story there is the fact that paganism in America is now pretty much official. Yeah. Okay. Now, it may not have happened if it wouldn't have been like this gentleman and others maybe sort of pushing it, you know, within the military, mm-hmm. both all the studies they did. They would have had to decided that it was going to be a big enough cross-section now to mm-hmm. justify, because they had to provide resources and everything else for it. Mm-hmm. So this, to me, is a, is a statement that it is here to stay. And I forwarded this to Peter Jones today from uh, Truth Exchange, and it's been mm-hmm. on our show, and sure. studies about the pagan yeah. planet. Uh what do you have to say? Well, I haven't heard from him. No. He's probably got better things to do. But um, anyway, I think churches maybe ought to pretend that it exists now. Wouldn't you think that'd be a good idea? Oh, of course. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll get lots of lots of emails decrying my view on things. But uh, churches, you mean a normal week, in other words. Yeah, yeah. Churches and churches and pastors and stuff, though well-meaning, tend to be about 15 years behind the times. And so things get out into the public and way out of the bag, yeah. and you know they'll they're teaching they're they're teaching earth-centered worship in a college class, and pastors are develop, are are debating whether or not we need to mention it mm-hmm. at church because they don't really see it as a mm-hmm. important part of society. And the the God is dead movement. Mm-hmm. I don't know a whole generation. They all get focused on. Well, people say God is dead. It's like yeah, they did back in the 1940s and 50s. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, well, now Nietzsche was on. writing that even way earlier than yeah, that. Yeah, right. But he I mean, you know, then. they sort of fixate on that to try to be hip and in it. And, you know, I feel sorry for pastors to some extent because they've got a lot of duties they've got to do with their congregation and yep. a lot of stuff to stay track of. Sure. And maybe that's why it gives a ministry for like us to try to look at other stuff. But churches cannot sweep it under the rug anymore. No, no, of course not. Well, there's a lot of things that they'd like to sweep under the rug that if they were trying to. In my opinion, I don't want to drag you into into this. Uh, they would they would be arming their congregations differently, with the spiritually. Forces. You mean? Yeah, spiritually and not not with not with guns, but with spiritual yes. warfare. Yes, of course. I didn't yeah. mean that they're actually handing out forty five. We might have new listeners. Who knows? I mean, you know, we got <laughs> Dominionist Christian Radio dominates the airwaves. <laughs> yeah, so. I was gonna say you're like they glorify you go the in, warrior. You got the offering plate, you know, it's like you put a six pack of bullets in there or something. Well, at least I always say, you know, uh, praise the Lord and pass ammunition. That'd That's be true. literal. I had a friend of mine who, uh, well, we won't get into it. Well, do you have a story for us? Oh gosh, yes, I do. U.S. citizens targeted for assassination by the Joint Special Operations Command. Hmm. That's an uplifting one. Yeah. U.S. military teams and intelligence agencies are deeply involved in special operations, special joint operations with Yemeni troops who in the past six weeks have killed scores of people, among them, uh, uh, among them six of, top, uh, of 15 top leaders of a regional al-Qaeda affiliate, according to senior administration officials. The operations approved by President Obama and begun six weeks ago involved several dozen troops from the U.S. Military Clandestine Joint Special Operations Command, whose main mission is tracking and killing suspected terrorists. So they're killing people that are suspected. Yeah. And not, well, not otherwise, you have to have trials and present evidence. Yep. And so they're, they're you tracking know, and killing you, there's suspected no, terrorists. If you kill them, uh-huh. then there's no way they can go back and claim to you that you made a mistake or you did something to them. Yes. The American advisors do not take part in raids in Yemen, 
but help plan missions, develop tactics, and provide weapons and munitions. Highly sensitive intelligence is being shared with the Yemeni forces, including electronic and video surveillance, as well as three-dimensional terrain maps and detailed analysis of the Al-Qaeda network. As part of the operations, Obama approved a December 24 strike against a compound where a U.S. citizen, Anwar al-Awlaki, uh, was thought to be meeting with other regional Al-Qaeda leaders. Although he was not the focus of the strike and was not killed, he has since been added to a short list of U.S. citizens specifically targeted, targeted for killing uh, or capture by the JSOC, military officials said. The officials, like, other inters, like others interviewed for this article, spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitivity of the operations. Hmm. So there you have it. Gentlemen, that, uh, according to the article, you know, maybe guilty, maybe not, but now he finds himself on a list... On a kill list. To be killed. Yeah, to be killed. An uh, American. Yep, U.S. citizen. Hmm. So in other words, the whole Bill of Rights thing about having a trial where they can do stuff, it's instantaneous justice. That's that's pretty much what they're saying, yeah. Okay. What we need to do, terrorism is too great a threat even to bother with things like mm-hmm. the Bill of Rights or the Constitution. And terrorists being defined to include... People who believe in the last days, people who believe in sanctity of human life, mm-hmm. constitution, national sovereignty. Or, I'm sorry, uh, anti-abortion right. people rather. Yeah, yep. sanctity of life too. Yes, yes, of course. Um, so once they decide that that's acceptable procedure for terrorists. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the real story is we could have a sniper outside the studios right here, just <laughs> <laughs> pop, <laughs> pop, and suddenly yeah. it goes dead. You remember that adage from the army? Look unimportant. The enemy may be low on ammo. Yeah, well. So that's what we practice at here. We're yeah. irrelevant enough that Nobody, they got to go down through a yeah, whole list not of important even fans people. Like us, yeah. they got to go through a list yeah. of important people before they get into us. Yeah, well, praise the Lord for being unimportant. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a really if you can find favor in the heavenlies, that's really the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. Well, the, anyway, the point is, is, I guess, ultimately, the door has now been opened to uh, denying constitutional rights to U.S. citizens. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, Which has been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, now it's to the point where they're just killing people. And the argument up to now had been, well, they're not even U.S. citizens. Why should we give them those rights? And now that whole point is moot because U.S. citizen or not, it doesn't matter. You don't get rights. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you're, if we don't like you, if you're not politically expedient, mm-hmm. well, we they just were, call you terrorist. You know, uh, we had we had uh, uh, Professor Professor slash Colonel Wilkerson on. Recently, it'd be interesting to see his take on something like this, mm-hmm. because he made several uh, several very mm-hmm. shocking revelations. One of which right. is that he was sure that the, the JSOC was getting cut out and being run privately uh, uh, by the vice president's office with no mm-hmm. military. JSOC oversight. being the Joint Special Operations Command. Right. Okay. Yeah. Make sure people understand that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you want me to uh, jump on another one? Yes. Okay. Now, this is one that you tipped me off on. Can I still read it? Oh, yeah. Is it okay? Uh Uh-huh. I'm giving you attribution. Thank you. Okay. You don't need to do that. Actually, this is from a different source than what you sent to me. They're just commenting on it. But to let the the crowd in on, the Futurians know, uh, Jim Cramer, you know, the guy who, uh, loudmouth um, financial commentator. Oh. No, probably one of the best-known guys Mr. Bavarian Illuminati. Give it away, why don't you? (laughs) Sorry. I'm so the sorry. The sour grapes, because uh, I'm reading the story. Okay. 
Now the punchline's not even there. <laughs> you can beat me up on Mike. <sighs> okay. Um, this was a story that you had mentioned to me. Now you've given it away. Yep. Uh, they they report on Infowars.com. Um, and this is about Jim Jim Cramer, um, who is again well known on CNBC, probably one of the top guys, writes in all the major financial magazines. Real strong minded. He really supports the establishment and the financial management world. And, mm-hmm. and he's he gives in this article. Uh, and I saw this segment on TV. You can go on YouTube and watch it, mm-hmm. where he talks about, hey, we need to trust Bernanke. We need to trust the establishment guys. Uh, you know, uh, he says we've come to a point in this country where people think everyone involved in government is just totally owned by Lloyd Blank, Fine, mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs. I mean, the list goes on. And then he goes on and keeps talking about Tim Tim Geithner and things like that. And then he gets down. Uh, he talks about how he thinks Tim Geithner's doing a great job. Uh, and things like this. But the key is, when he gets down here, uh, where he says, let me find the right right words that he says here. Um, okay. He says, he thinks Tim Geithner's doing a good job, too. Uh, can I just come out here as a commentator and say, I'm impressed by Geithner. I feel strongly to Geithner. This is AIG, AIG, Goldman, Goldman. And you know what? The Bavarian Illuminati, the Trilateral Commission, Goldman Sachs, and the Queen of England are not all bad. <laughs> now, I saw the video. It's one thing to read it like that. When you read somebody says that the Bavarian Illuminati, the Trilateral Commission, Goldman Sachs, and Queen of England are not all bad. That could be said with a smirk and a laughing way, making fun of people. He was saying when I watched him, seriously. He was, as they say, as serious as a heart attack. If you yep. watch his face. I mean, mm-hmm. he was stone serious about it, and uh, there was no tongue-in-cheek that I could detect in what he said. No, I don't think so either. Uh, and that is consistent with the way he's always defended insiders running things mm-hmm. and basically ha- giving them carte blanche to do as they please. He just put his cards on the table, I think. You know, one has to wonder. I, I was thinking up several scenarios where it would be, you know, where he, uh, why would somebody say that? And one of them I came up with, I know he's under an incredible amount of stress just for various things. You know, he's got a bodyguard, several bodyguards that go with him everywhere he goes. Because a lot of people have lost a ton of money and under they, his advice. Yeah, and they want to possibly do something to hurt him and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I just... Now I, the Bavarian Illuminati might want to. Well, I just can't help but think that he might have, like, been under so much stress, stress he kind of, like, finally flipped his lid, you know. Like, do you think he's just making it up, or do you think he just lost his inhibition? I think talk he, about just, it? he just finally lost his inhibition, would be my okay. would be my sense of it. Watching him and going back and watching other clips and stuff, you know, he just mm-hmm. seems to me to be a guy who's under so much stress. Yeah. And this was like, he finally just, you know, something happened, and you just blurted it out. I wonder if something will happen to him. It could, could be. Seriously, the, the the Aaron Burnett, I believe, was the name of the woman who was talking to him, mm-hmm. one of the talking heads mm-hmm. there, and she just got real quiet. She didn't say anything. Yeah. Just sort of looked at the floor until they cut away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of surprised at that reaction. You figured somebody would go, Jim, what on earth are you well, talking about? Well, they were about? probably hearing the people in the control room saying, cut, cut, <laughs> go to commercial. Bring the Riger pain machine. Here I am. Yeah. The Illuminati's on the phone. They said, go to commercial. <laughs> But you have a story for us? Yeah, I do, actually. It, um, it kind of goes along with vaguely what you were talking about. Okay. And, uh, well, I have to be kind of quick here. Sorry. It's not very long, uh, but it's an actual, the actual Bloomberg headline is, 
Uh, more finance? Yeah. Well, it's it's more for the headline. Okay. Um, the actual Bloomberg headline is Secret Banking Cabal Emerges from AIG Shadows. Hmm. I mean, there you go. I thought there already was a secret banking cabal, according to G. Everett Griffin. Well, yeah. For a long but, time. But, but according to this, a new even, one. even Bloomberg is like on the... On okay. the on the thing, the idea of secret banking cabals that control the country and global economy are given among conspiracy theorists to stockpile ammo, bottled water, and peanut butter, actually, or rice and beans. After this week, and a little bit of oil. After this week's congressional hearing and the bailout, the bailout of American International Group Incorporated, you have to wonder if those folks are crazy after all. Wednesday's hearing described a secretive group deploying billions of dollars to favored banks operating with little oversight by the public or elected officials. We're talking about the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, whose role is the most influential part of the Federal Reserve System, apart from the matter of AIG's bailout, deserves further congressional scrutiny. The New York Fed is in the hot seat for its decision in November 2008 to buy out for about $30 billion insurance contracts AIG sold on toxic debt securities to banks, including Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, Society General, and Deutsche Bank AG. That decision, critics say, amount to a backdoor bailout for the banks, which received 100, 100 cents on the dollar for sick contracts that would have been worth far less had AIG been allowed to fail. That move came a few weeks after the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department propped up AIG in the wake of Lehman Brothers holding uh, owned mid-September bankruptcy ruling. Blah 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 blah. Okay. So, so now they're now they're just admitting it. Like, wow, it really does seem like there's this ultra-secret banking cabal. And and it was everybody's admitting absolute corruption. What yes. we knew was coming, mm-hmm. the people who we have guests on our show, mm-hmm. was that corruption is on the way. There's nothing good going to come of this. They played the, the game with the people like, oh, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, even this one, I don't think hardly anybody in the public, they buy in that whole Democrat-Republican thing. But yeah. even they didn't buy into this. But yeah. the thing is, nobody did a thing about it. Yeah, nobody cares. We had an election, and the people who voted for all these bailouts, they put them right back in office. Mm-hmm. So... You know, the rest of us suffer, but the public, the rest of the public gets what they deserve. Let's go to the Faroe Islands. I'm ready to go. All right, man. We'll, we'll set up the first Go um, mock uh, selection committee. Get out of our gefilte fish? Or? No, they don't, that's, that's not, I don't know if they have a Jewish community there, to be honest with you. Oh, I don't well, know. They've, they've got Protestants. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Actually, I don't know anything about them. I just want to... I'm just tired of going. Yeah, you better better read read yeah, up on it. We'll, be, so. we'll keep the car running out here and the boat. Yeah, there you go. Um, Get well, some paddles. You want me to mention something real quick before we go? If you if you would please. Okay, it's got something. I, this will be a quick yeah, one. Super quick one. Climate chief was told of false glacier claims before Copenhagen. Uh, most experts believe that the Himalayan glaciers will take centuries to melt. The chairman of the leading climate change watchdog was informed that claims about melting Himalayan glaciers were false before the Copenhagen summit. The London Times has learned. Rajendra Pachuri was told at the Governmental Panel on Climate Change Assessment that the glaciers would disappear by 2035 was wrong, but he waited two months to correct it. He failed to act despite learning that the claim had been refuted by several leading glaciologists. The IPCC's report underpinned the proposals at Copenhagen for drastic cuts in global emissions. Uh, Dr. Pachuri played a leading role at the summit corrected the error last week after uh, succumbing to media pressure, he told the Times. So the bottom line is, well, first of all, I've read elsewhere that the global press has totally exposed all of this. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it has really collapsed support. They said the American press has not nearly talked about this as much as overseas. Sure. From what I've read. I'm not surprised. Even though the you know, other parts of the international world were more strongly in support of it. Hmm. Uh, but they have totally just dismissed this, but we're bringing up the rear. It's like that 15-year-old thing like you were talking about here, you know? Yeah. Next thing they'll tell us, man landed on the moon. Well, we've got to go. <laughs> Someone can give you some updated information. as Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Come back tomorrow. We'll have another segment of news where uh, Tom will give away the punchline headlines for my stories tomorrow. 35 for gun legislation, Rockefeller, alien. There you go. (laughs) Ah, That's too easy. Come back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, for some more Future Quake. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no stranger to controversy, Bionic. Hmm. Is this foreshadowing? Perhaps. Yeah, we've had foreshadowing for like years, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake Show. And uh, since it is Friday, uh, even though we did something akin to this yesterday, Friday is always something special and sacred. Uh, what does Friday signify, Tom Bionic? Today is Friday's review of the news, or today's tomorrow's Future Quake review of the news. Yeah, Today's tomorrow's review. I like that. That works really well. How about today's review of the future's news? Oh, if you want to put it like that, it's a little more succinct. All right. but tomorrow's might... trimmers. Okay. Man, we got that out of the way. Thank goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. Uh, we had an occasion to start uh, tomorrow's trimmers a little early yesterday uh, because we, we had a more abbreviated visit with Dale Robertson of the Tea Party movement, the founder of the movement, and I uh, found him to be a very engaging gentleman that uh, hopefully is a new friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot more we could talk about in great depth. And, in fact, he spent a lot of time on the phone with us after the interview, didn't he? Yeah, I, I enjoyed his his just want to talk. And, yeah, I think you know, he's very sincere. Yeah, and, that, and what that he's would doing. be a very correct assessment. Very sincere. Uh, something that we forget to do and then we never even cover enough stories in a normal one, but since mm-hmm. we've had two days, is an opportunity to just mention a few of the many uh, emails we get. Uh, would that be okay? Sure. Mention a few Dear of Dr. them. Dr. Future, dump the guy to your left. Uh, we, get too, we get too many of those. I don't <laughs> want to read all this. You know, we get, just in case you all are wondering out there, we get about, now this is just from brand new people emailing, about five to ten a day of just brand new people saying, hey, I've been listening to your show for the last few weeks or even months, and uh, here's what I think about it. And, of course, we like all the old gang, too, that emails us. But uh, 
I'm not always so good at getting back with people. I've tried to be better the last few days. And it's just got trying to get better. He's trying to be polite, but it's just sort of gotten unmanageable. So if he doesn't get yeah. to you, please, please, please don't be offended. He does read them all. It's just that, you know, at 500 emails a day, it's like. Yeah, it gets a little crazy, plus the research thing. So yeah. these topics and the guests we have are so yeah. the, deep and the reason, Yeah, the reason, I'm a slow reader. The reason you're so snappy is because you spend like 70 hours a week doing research. Yeah, Mrs. Futures wondering what in the world I'm doing. Why don't I get yeah. up and do some chores for a living? Yeah. I don't blame her. Okay, this is from uh, Alice, uh, who just emailed us. These are ones that are just from like the last day or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, uh, Dear Dr. Future... I've been listening to your programs for the past six months, and I want to thank WNO for picking up your show. Your programs are extremely thought-provoking in a biblical and spiritual sense, and you're always so well-prepared in interviewing your guests. Please continue what it. you're doing. You you well, do. Alice is very nice. She knows I need some encouragement, so she yeah. was very polite. Thank you, Miss Alice. We, You know what? We get more Tom Bionic comments than we do. <laughs> yeah, future. like, oh, I'm serious. get rid of Tom Bionic. Most of them are positive. Uh, like sixty <laughs> percent. This is somebody we've heard from a few times who I always look forward to his emails. This uh-huh. is Jeremiah. Uh his topic it caught my eye of Sycamore. And I just got it yesterday. Yeah. He says the guy the show you guys did with Elliot Nash was probably one of my favorite shows you guys have done in a long time. I am stoked you had that on your show. Thanks, Doc and Lom. Oh. Um, uh you know, and that was a very unique show and you were the one who put us on to that. You and I was Chris White. Also find him, yeah. or I don't yeah. know how well, that works. Well, Chris White kind of said, check this out. And I watched a bunch of his documentaries, and then he had the Sycamore thing. Yeah, that's a long story. But anyway, that was that was really cool. Yeah. And here's a little long one. I'm going to read just excerpts from it, okay? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is uh, from Brett, who's another friend of our show. Uh, I'm just going to read sections of it. Uh, Dr. Future and Tom, quote, thrall of the New World Order, bionic. You know, about everybody gives you a middle name and emails, I guess. I know, I know. Every one of them do that. Uh, uh, they say some, some personal matters here about our, about our family and, uh, supportive, uh, things here. Uh, it says, anyways, I just want to drop you guys some feedback to uplift and encourage you. Um, he says, I like the Michael Bajan episode and, uh, tried to share with a friend. He says, anyways, it was always very deep and I think I'll have to listen again to fully come to terms with everything. He says, I enjoyed the episode after that of Dr. Cuddy, even though they, they really weren't mm-hmm. back-to-back. But um, he says, I'm, I'm not surprised at what he talked about, but it's interesting to see the connections from past wars. Uh, he says, I can't wait until Dr. Cuddy recovers so you can have him on again. Please, please bring him back sometime. Um, he said about the, and this is going to lead to something you and I can talk about here briefly, about where the, the episode where you got on your soapbox and talked about the Islamic Center vandalism. He says, I think what you did was courageous. And I appreciate that you reached out to them. Um, he says, if if anyone disagrees with what you did, at least no one other believer stands with you. He says, I don't agree with the Muslims about a lot of things as a Christian and acknowledge the differences that exist. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't show love to them. Hmm. Um, there you go. There are those who are trying to make Muslims enemies of us Christians, but Christ himself commanded us to love our enemies. For how can Muslims come to know Christ unless we humble ourselves and show love to them? I've never found a good argument against that. Position well, probably because there's not one. Uh, you know that's me comment. Uh, anyway, I agree with you. Applaud your courage and sharing your love uh, for them in this area. Uh, if anything ha- like that happens here, I will do what I can to show them uh, Christ's love here. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, Tom, just kidding about the middle name. I am a Tom Bionic fan. <laughs> he says, I was checking out old episodes of Future Quake and noticed you were missing. And while they were still good, it was weird not having you there. It's oh. weird. It's weird having you here too. Oh, uh, very enigmatic. Different but you kind of get used to different it. kind of weird. Yeah. And he asked about Mighty Tom's Bible study. Yeah, I will say to all the MTBS fans because I've gotten a couple emails about that. Uh, I'm working on a big project here, and it should be done uh, about the end, about the time that this airs, actually, on WNO. And um, yeah. Uh, anyway, he he, he lists uh, some guests that he suggests we have. Uh-huh. And um, if I'm correct, this one right here, he's going to be seeing here soon, right? No. Not that? Not okay. even close. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was wrong. But uh, we're going to see somebody very similar to that, and uh, you'll you'll hear some interesting things, Brett, uh, on some of the topics that you've given us here. One of the interesting ones you mentioned was Mike Bear of Dark Mission. I don't know if you had caught the show we did with him. We actually scooped Coast to Coast yeah. and had Mike Bear on um hours before he debuted the book today the book was published on uh, coast to coast mm-hmm. but uh maybe he would be interested to have back we'll yeah. see if they've had something new and um and Brett is one of the the number of people who contact us that would like to hear something about dinosaurs in the bible and uh about you know what the bible suggests things about what was uh behemoth and leviathan and things like that yeah and tenium uh so we'll try to get on that so Anyway, sweet, and and it would be remiss if I didn't mention because it always sounds like we do the kiss up emails, you know, yeah. people be nice to us. Is that there were two emails sent this, and I'm surprised there weren't a lot more about the whole thing about the comments on the Islamic Center and, mm-hmm. and stuff from two people who were very kind, they were very respectful, but they had real concerns about the Islamic um, that it would be easy to be naive and hoodwinked. Uh, and they were strongly believing that there was a really strong movement within Islam uh, that's pretty universal uh, to try to come in and take over our country, and that it's part of a plan, and that we shouldn't be naive about it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And well, I tried there, to. Well, is there some documentation of that? Or? Well, I mean that's the, you hear that a lot on Christian radio. Okay, that's a common uh, teaching. <laughs> uh, I asked. I asked, is he qualified for the job? And you said, he's a nice guy. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. But okay. I, what I was going to say is, is that these people were, said it. They were strong in their opinions, but they said it in a constructive way. Yeah, well, we always appreciate not, that. Not everything they said is always something that you feel good about. But it was said in a way that it caused me to have to stop and rethink. And I tried to send some extended length responses back in writing about what I think about um, who the who the people are pulling the strings of the militant Muslims, and from the people like Dennis Cuddy and all the other guests, Dr. Stan and others, mm-hmm. I do believe that there's somebody up above them pulling the strings. Uh, sometimes it's our own government, the CIA, and we have ample evidence we've shown of that, and others for those parts of doing it, and it behooves them to get them all fighting against each other. And just from the show Michael Bajant, you see from the New Age perspective, the people in power at the UN, mm-hmm. they they lump all of us monotheists in one lump. They just they have to deal with all of us. Yep. So they want to get rid of all of us. And um, um, well, I won't say more other than one thing. I think we can all agree on: we would like to share our love for Jesus with other yeah. people. Yeah. Let's show them Jesus. And uh, getting on the Jesus wagon. Hopefully that they can embrace Jesus. And uh, people of goodwill who desire to please God. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says that he who seeks finds. 
and I will take that by faith that God will provide a way like he did Cornelius. You know, Cornelius was an interesting person. He was not a Jew. He was not a Christian. Don Cornelius. But it said he, not that Cornelius. <laughs> but uh, he was on Soul Train, right? Yeah. But uh, Don Cornelius. Cornelius in the book of Acts, uh, God said that he found, basically he found favor and God heard his prayers mm-hmm. because he was devout Mm-hmm. Uh, in in serving it's a God, heart thing. he he yeah. gave alms to the poor and he prayed continuously. And what happened was God took the action to make sure that he got a full revelation. Mm-hmm. And for people whose hearts are sincere, when they hear the word, uh, the full news about Jesus Christ, they will receive it with joy, like Apollos did and others. Mm-hmm. So let's pray that we'll meet more people like that to do, because there was a time in all of our life when we had to get it like that. Yeah. There was a time in your life. When you were walking apart from God, and sure. the word yeah. clicked, yep, and you did yep. it. So I wasn't even sure what happened. Okay, enough of that pontificating. You got Still some stories sure. you want to share? Yeah, why don't you go first? All right. Yours are always better than mine. Well, here, here's one uh, from the last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Oliver Stone said Hitler supported by bankers. Although this was interesting in the aftermath of the Cuddy show. Yeah. Okay. Well, didn't he convert, convert to Roman Catholicism recently? You know, you may have a scoop on me there. I don't know. Well, didn't we... Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. Um, this is out of Bangkok, Thailand. Now, hopefully he wasn't there for the reasons that uh, Carradine yeah, was there. That, that was sort of the is, you never uh, Adolf Hitler was a psychopath and a monster, but rose to power thanks to big business leaders and other supporters who appreciated his vow to destroy communism and control workers. Hollywood filmmaker Oliver Stone said Monday. Wow. Oliver Stone, who's working on a 10-part documentary on the 20th century titled The Secret History of the United States. Whoa. Which is, if that wasn't a future quake uh, theme, <laughs> I don't know what would get him on here. He'd probably be the beating our door down. The show starts by going, welcome to, to future quake. Uh, he yeah. said the German dictator was enabled by Western bankers and managed to seduce Germany's military-industrial complex. Hitler is a monster, there's no question. I have no empathy for Hitler at all. He was a crazy psychopath, Stone told reporters in the Thai capital. But like Frankenstein was a monster, there was a Dr. Frankenstein. He is a product of his era. Interesting. Interesting statement. Interesting quote from yeah. uh, Mr. Stone. He was in, Stone was in Bangkok to give a lecture to high school students on the role of film and peace building as part of a visit organized by the Vienna-based International Peace Foundation. He said that the aim of his documentary, which two historians are helping him with, was to offer a fuller understanding of the 20th century and how some of those lessons may be relevant to President Barack Obama in 2010. I hope one of them is like Dr. Dennis Cuddy. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? That'd be cool. What has America become? Dr. Stan would be the other one. Yeah. What has America become? How can we in America not learn from Germany in the 1930s, the Oscar-winning director asked. Early in the day, Stone told about 300 students that his 1991 movie, JFK, was his most controversial to date, and that the United States remains in denial over the possibility that someone other than Lee Harvey Oswald could have assassinated John F. Kennedy. Stone said exploring alternative theories over the JFK assassination remains too sensitive for those in the media or academia who would be endangering their careers and their position. To this day, many key Americans in power are in total denial about this story, Stone said. They don't even want to know about the possibility that he was killed by someone other than Lee Harvey Oswald. It is a national fairy tale. JFK ridicules the Warren Commission's conclusion that Oswald acted alone and suggests a massive conspiracy. As I recall, uh, um, gosh, 
we had him on the show. Never mind. I'll be quiet. Well, Sto- uh, it's okay. Stone's film centered on a theory by New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison that the CIA-led mutiny killed the president and the plotters walked away unscathed. Garrison's theories went to court in 1967, but Clay Shaw, the alleged evil genius behind the assassination, was acquitted. Stone said Monday that he thought it was a good thing to revisit the JFK assassination, but he came under fire from the historians and film reviewers who contended Stone had fudged facts, invented characters, and elevated speculation to truth to support his burning belief that the killing was a high-level government conspiracy. It's an amazing story, and I did it, Stone said. I thought I would be respected for it, and I was lambasted in the establishment press. I was called a myth-maker propagandist. I didn't see it coming. I thought the Kennedy murder was safe. Stone is famous for several other movies, including the Vietnam War films Born on the Fourth of July and Platoon, which won four Oscars, including Best Picture and Director. Well, I sure like Born on the Fourth of July. Did you, did you well know acted. that I had a movie review article in a local newspaper where I live in Ohio called Focus on Film? Mm. And that was the first movie I reviewed. Born on the Fourth of July, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing I associate with it. Wow. And, uh, you know, Oliver Stone was the kind of guy, and this just shows how much I've changed, that just a few years ago, I would have thought he's the most fruity Hollywood crazy there ever is. Yeah, but didn't and he... And maybe he's still a little bit, didn't, too. Didn't he have, like, a conversion experience or something? I need to go look that up. I don't I, know. Well, I'll I, have to Google I, that. See, I even thought it was a... I, th- I even thought it was a I know Anne Rice you... did. Who? Anne Rice. Yeah, but I thought this was a story that you even... Uh, uh, the Esther House did. Okay. Now he was one that we've read on this show. He yep. had converted. But I thought it was even Oliver Oliver Stone. Too. Now that's a new one on okay. me. Okay, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, you all have lunch together. I don't know. <laughs> Stone and Tom Biotic. You know, you think of the two together. Yeah, over there at Burger King or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, Spago's or yeah, the Brown Derby. <laughs> the Brown Derby. Isn't that the the one that the fancy eating place in L.A. where all the stars went? Mm, I don't know, man. Okay. You ought to go to California sometime. You'd like it. Oh, that's what that's what my parents keep telling me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't listen to them. I try not to. Let's see. I guess it's story time, huh? Yeah, it's story time. Now tell us a story, Uncle Tom. Once there was a big ball of mud, but... We should write a children's book. Wouldn't it be pleasant? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Those poor Uncle kids. Uncle Tom's stories about the New mommy, World Order. Mommy, I'm scared. Yeah, they're I'm coming scared. to get me. Yeah. Um, They're going to do a disassociation, multiple personalities. Oh, the Riker pain machine. Okay. What you got um, there? Microsoft executives thinks that individuals should have to obtain a government license to use the Internet. Okay. Nice. The world needs a treaty to prevent cyber attacks becoming an all-out war. The head of the main U.N. communications technology agency warned Saturday. Um, International Telecommunications Union Secretary... Hamoudin Touri gave his warning at a World Economic Forum debate where experts said nations must now consider when a cyber attack becomes a declaration of war. With attacks on Google from China a major talking point at Davos, Touri said the risk of a cyber conflict between two nations grows every year. A proposed treaty in which countries would engage not to make the first cyber strike against each other, against another nation. A cyber war would be worse than a tsunami, a catastrophe, the UN official said, highlighting examples such as attacks on Estonia last year. Uh, He proposed an international court adding the framework would look like a peace treaty before a war. Countries should guarantee to protect their citizens and their right to access information, 
promised not to harbor cyber terrorists and should commit themselves not to attack each other. Now this whole thing, oh gosh, there's so such weird such weirdness. Uh, yeah, that'd be a first for our show. I know it's what where to begin even you know. Hmm. Well, how would you summarize that? Why do they need a government license? Why do they need why do they need a uh, a framework that would look like a peace treaty? Um, why not just leave it free and open and let people fend for themselves? And then government is about control. That's the only. That's why they have to invent terrorism is an opportunity for control. Yep. Uh, someone bombed the electric grid in our country. This is uh, Susan Collins, a U- U.S. Republican senator. Uh, if someone bombed the electric grid in our country and we saw the bombers coming in, it would clearly be an act of war. If that same country uses sophisticated computers to knock out an electricity grid, I definitely think we are getting closer to saying it is an act of war. Well, I don't think there's anybody that disputes that, but mm-hmm. um, the fact of the matter is is that they're just... That that just doesn't happen. And, That's like you saying, know. you know, one way to keep the enemy from killing all our people is just to kill them all ourselves. Mm-hmm. There'll be nobody for them to kill. Yeah, that'll be preemptive. I know, I know. It's 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 goofy. Uh, it's it's just yeah. it's totally goofy. And I wish it I wish it was just goofy and not more diabolical. Yeah. Well, we've not mentioned Nephilim. Time for a Nephilim story. Well, no Nephilim. So who else would, could be a surrogate? Rockefeller. Chris. Rockefeller killed in Swingers Group. What? Uh, Swingers Link and Rockefeller Murder. Uh, this was from the Australian, major magazine Australia. Uh, a man, a man and a woman will face court today charged with the murder of millionaire businessman Herman Rockefeller. Feller. A sordid allegation surfaced linking his death to a network of underground swingers clubs. Wow. Mario Shimbri, 57, of Wallon, uh, 50 kilometers north of Melbourne, and Bernadette Denny of Hadfield in the city's north, uh, who were charged with Mr. Rockefeller's murder late on Friday night, or reported to have met businessmen through a swingers website where sexual encounters are advertised. Mr. Rockefeller is reported to have voluntarily assisted, visited an address in Hadfield connected to Ms. Denny immediately after returning from a business trip to Sydney. There is speculation that the suburban father, marathon runner, and multimillionaire led a double life. Police will allege Mr. Rockefeller was murdered at that Hatfield home late in the evening, January 21st or early the next morning after an altercation with the accused pair. Oops. Now, I have no idea what his connection is to the Rockefellers we know, whether he's close family or what. It was on a major news site, so they thought it was significant. Now, there was another gentleman, if you remember months ago, that, if I remember correctly, kidnapped a girl or took her. He was related to her in some way, I don't know, stepfather or something. But anyway, he ran off with her, and his last name was Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. But it turned out he had changed his name to that because he wanted to live, look like a high life, even yeah. though he wasn't. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything related to any of that, but I just thought it was sort of curious. Yeah, this is an interesting one there for sure. Yeah, I have a related story on that subject matter too, but if you want to share something else. On what subject matter? Well, on, on sex rings. Why don't you get to that one? Okay. I will uh, read that one then. Uh, it's in my... St- hang on here. Uh, Tell you what, will you look? I'll just read three sentences from this one. Okay, I've got it when okay. you're ready. The United Nations and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton are moving forward with their plan to confiscate your guns. The United States joined 152 other countries to support the arms trade 
Treaty Resolution, which establishes the date for the 2012 UN conference intended to attack American sovereignty by stripping Americans of the right to keep and bear arms. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, that's pretty significant. They're going to take guns away from everybody. That's the, that's the gist of the article, yeah. Working groups of anti-gun countries will begin scripting language for the conference this year, creating a blueprint for other countries when they meet at the full conference. The stakes couldn't be higher. Former United Nations Ambassador John Bolton has cautioned gun owners about the arms trade treaty and says the UN is trying to act as though there is really this is really just a treaty about international arms trade between nation states. But there's no doubt that the real agenda is domestic firearms control. Hmm. Establishing the date of the arms treaty conference is just the first step towards this plan, towards their plans for total gun confiscation. The worldwide gun control mob will ensure the passage of an egregious anti-gun treaty, and that's where Secretary of State Hillary Clinton steps in. Hmm. Once the UN gun, is, gun ban is passed by the General Assembly of the United Nations, it must be ratified by each nation, and Clinton has pledged to push the U.S. Senate to ratify the treaty and uh, to register, ban, and confiscate firearms owned by the private citizens. So... All right. Yeah, can't be anything significant about that, about taking away Sorry. all of our Second Amendment rights. Yeah. Um, uh, th- this is just a snapshot of something that's indicative of something bigger, more widespread. Uh, this is from the Palm Beach Post uh, newspaper in Palm Beach, Florida. Behind closed doors, the sex trade thrives. Um, s- sex slavery in South Florida can go on to the most pleasant of neighborhoods that some residents have discovered. Uh, it's, it starts out here... Rick Rose was suspicious of the constant flow of cars visiting a small frame house next to his well-appointed bed and breakfast in one of the West Palm Beach's trendiest urban neighborhoods. We thought it was drug dealing, he said, so he called police. Rose, the president of the Grandview Heights Neighborhood Association, was stunned when federal agents who raided the house said it was a brothel used by a sophisticated ring that brought young Mexican women into the United States and forced them to work as sex slaves. According to agents who were involved in the 2008 raid on the ring, which extended from West Palm Beach to Homestead, Fort Myers, their brothels are, are hard to detect. The houses appear to be normal residences. Sounds weird to say, but in general, they're very nice people, Rose said of his neighbors. Uh, I guess we're all a little bit naive about what's going on around us. Um, so it talks further. Now, they say here, now this has got to be a low ball. U.S. State Department estimates that as many as 17,500 people are brought into the country each year to serve as slaves. Uh, South Florida is considered a national hotspot for human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that certainly is, is a low number, that's, I would think. That's that's very low. Compared uh, to what compared. we've heard on our show from other experts. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still t- horrible, you know. Yeah. So Five is bad. Five is horrible. 17,000 is even more horrible, but still low. Yeah, they've got... Uh, They've got several guys arrested. It says the uh, Timoteo Reyes Perez, whom ICE identified as the husband slash pimp, is still at large. Uh, but what I find interesting in that quote is when they say, "I guess we're all a bit naive about what's going on around us." Yeah. The, the, this was like a high end neighborhood, well manicured, no sign. Yeah. Well, there was a uh, right when I moved to Nashville, they busted kind of the similar thing going on, where the lady had been here for a year, year and a half. Yeah. Poor lady locked up in a room. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they were, you know, they brought her in from Mexico. She was expecting mm-hmm. to work in a, yeah. you know, making chips or something at a Mexican restaurant. And it could be in any of our streets, any yeah. of our streets. You know, when I met these people at Triple IHS that were like these 
little old ladies look like they're just darling little people you see at church and they had altars to the Babylonian queen of heaven in their house middle wow. America I started thinking you know this is a different world sometimes TV maybe doesn't exaggerate when they show these things where there's secrets behind doors mm-hmm. that we don't know Yeah, there, and that's maybe are. what's there you know somebody who is no secret is our friend Merv who can tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're coming up to the last 30 seconds or so. Any comments on the week? It's been a, it's been a rough one for me. Haven't felt well. And Haven't felt well. A lot of challenges. Cars blowing up. and. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, twice. The Bionic Mobile yeah. was taking a tough ride. Many tough rides. It took three tough rides this week. Well, and you know the future family sort of had a rough January. Yeah, I know. I'm I, sorry. I hope 2010 gets better. It's got to look up. But if not, get worse. we have the Lord. We have our, our Futurian friends out there yeah. who support us as evidence in emails. We'll keep trying to find interesting guests and topics that are informative and provide you information you can't get elsewhere for the most part to help you be pre- prepared for the days ahead. Yeah, man. So until next week with a new guest, uh, may your future be bright, and we'll see you then. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.